appreciation and just like gratitude because I was so I was so happy to be outside again and and like I didn't crack under the pressure I didn't stop you know and like and like I survived 10 weeks inside and now I'm outside again and I had fully appreciated being inside and like you know being on the treadmill and running on the roof that whole time I was thinking I had really taken for granted what it's like to run outside and be outdoors. I really took that for granted because this is hard. This is hard mentally and this is very slow and like these miles are not fun. They're not fun miles at all. But it wasn't until I got outside where it just hit me, right? So it wasn't the beauty of it. It was like what it represented. And to me, it represented like I was on the path to actually finishing this thing. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our RunVenture Zoom series on Facebook Live from Sunday, November 8th, 2020. We sat down with ultra runner legend Michael Ortiz to hear all about his incredible Game of Hundos run venture. Michael ran a 100-mile race every weekend for 100 consecutive weeks. So sit back and relax, or put on your shoes and hit the trails, and enjoy the show. episode is brought to you by Yoshiko Cowbell, the number one brand of cowbells in the world. What makes Yoshiko Cowbell so special? Well, not only is the sound amplification unbeatable, Yoshiko Cowbell has a money-back guarantee that your runner will smile when they see and hear you. Now available at your local running store. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Zoom Series. I am here with my friend Michael Ortiz, and we are going to chat with him about his incredible game of Hundo's Run Venture <laughs> when he ran a hundred mile race every weekend for a hundred weeks. So we will have time for Q and A at the end. So drop your questions in the live chat, and then I will read them to Michael towards the end of our talk. So before we start, I want to share just a little bit of background with you on Sasquatch Trail Running. I'll keep this really short so we can have as much time as possible to chat with Michael. We started hosting trail parties in 2018 and now have trail races all around the state of New Jersey. This fall, we've been able to return to our in-person events. The Squatchy Leftovers is our next race that's coming up on November 28th at the South Mountain Reservation in West Orange, New Jersey. That is the weekend of Thanksgiving. So we will have a 5K and a 10K on that day. And we will offer two different start times at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m so everyone can spread out. We're limiting each start time to 100 spots, so register quickly. That's on ultrasignup.com. And then our final in-person race for the year is scheduled for December 19th at the Malin Dickerson Reservation in Jefferson, New Jersey. We have the permit approved from Morris County, and registration should go live this week. That event is a night race. It's our ugly sweater night race. Um, I have a meeting with the parks tomorrow morning over at the trails to finalize the loop we will be using, and then registration should go live for that, and that will also be on ultrasignup.com. All right, I promised I would keep that brief. Usually it's a little bit longer, uh, but so we have Michael Ortiz is here. I have been following Michael's story since he began this incredible 100-mile run venture back in 2018. I can remember when I first heard about it and the game of hundos and I was out on the trails with my friends and I was telling them about it. We were just blown away by this quest to run a hundred mile race every weekend for a hundred weeks. So about two weeks ago, Michael finished it up on the grand finale by completing a hundred miles around New York city and finishing in his hometown, Brooklyn. And 
again, I said I keep it brief. That is about all I'm going to share because <laughs> the whole point of tonight is to hear Michael's story in his own words. So our loose plan is to chat about how and why Mike started running, how he ended up running ultra marathons, and of course, how the game of hundos came about. So um, and we're also going to spend some time chatting about the last hundred that was over in Brooklyn. And again, we'll finish with Q&A so you can hop in this live chat, drop them, and I will read them to Michael. So, Michael, thank you so much hey. for joining us tonight. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Kim. We appreciate you being here. And um, we would just want to start out with how, why, when did you start your running journey? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I... Um, I guess I, I was always a casual runner and I, I, I use casual like loosely. It, there was, there was, there was, there was one race on the calendar that I would make sure to participate in. And that, that was the, uh, the JP Morgan corporate challenge. And so that, that was the very, the very first race that, that I got involved with. And that, you know, that's, uh, it's a 5k in Central Park and it's the, uh, I mean, they, so they've got, they've got races all over the world, but the one in New York city, is in central park and it, it's one of those things where everyone signs up for right so like everyone in the company signs up for it you know not just where i work but every like everyone in any other company signs up for this and what it winds up being is fifteen thousand runners uh or thirty thousand runners rather running in central park over two days and that's a lot of running it, it was yeah, it's a lot of it's a really large event and so that i participated in that I, like as early as 2007 or 2008 and um that's the only running i would do like all year and then and then uh that was in june and so like <laughs> i would train for that 5k by doing like, random like one two mile runs on the treadmill the month leading up to it so that wasn't really you know that way i i wouldn't call that running you know per se it, it was just like it was just like okay there's a race uh, here, here's the usual, like yearly annual 5k, uh, everyone signs up for it. I, I want to be a part of it too. And there you go. Right. Um, I would say that I started running like, like really running when I moved to Brooklyn and that was, uh, that was in 2013. Um, and it, it was mainly, so it, it was, it was twofold, right? It was, uh, I, I, I started, like, I didn't, I was born and raised in Manhattan. And I didn't know anything about the outer boroughs, right? Like, like I had friends who lived in Queens. I had friends who lived in the Bronx and I knew of those outer boroughs, but I just never, I never ventured anywhere like really past Manhattan, right? Cause I, I didn't understand them. I didn't know them. Um, and Manhattan, like, especially up from Manhattan, it's just like has a grid system that I understood, right? So I, streets and avenues are numbered and that made sense to me. And uh, like you venture outside of Manhattan, all of a sudden you, you're going into name streets and streets that, you know, don't look like a grid. And it's like, I don't understand. I like, where am I kind of thing. Right. So I moved to Brooklyn. Um, and one of the main ways that like, I figured I can, I can move around and discover and explore the neighborhood was by running. Right. So, um, on the weekends I would, I would set out to, you know, throw on my uh, running shoes and then start with no agenda, really just running around Brooklyn and it I would start really easy, right? So like along the Brooklyn Bridge waterfront, because that's that's a beautiful place to run. Right. <laughs> and, and it started with, you know, all right, run the entire waterfront, which at the time, and then back to my house, which at the time it seemed like, all right, that that's a decent run. That's a decent run. Um 
it's like four miles. Yeah, <laughs> perspective, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and you know, the the period, the, it only goes so so for so long, right? But at the right. time, it felt it felt like I was doing work, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is awesome. Right. Um, but then, but then that also wasn't Brooklyn, right? There's one very small, tiny piece of Brooklyn. <laughs> so eventually, I would make those runs a little longer and a little longer, right? So then, I I started, you know, going to the to the waterfront. And then I decided, all right, well, that's kind of, that's um, to the to the west of me. I wonder what's to the east. And then and then I would slowly make my ways east to Williamsburg. Um, you know, go to the waterfront to the west, and then right. go go to uh, the east, Williamsburg, and then back home. And so that whole that whole journey was uh, when I worked up to it was seven miles. And and so I, I would continue in this fashion, like every week, adding a little bit more, a little bit more, and. Uh, um, it eventually, it eventually uh, came to me, right? Like I, I did it mainly as a means to like explore the neighborhood, clear my mind, and like like just think about things, right? And I and I like that, and it was it was a, it was a great way to do these things, right? There's no noise, there's no um, uh, things to distract you, right? You're totally on your own, and you're totally in your own headspace, and and like you're seeing what's all around you. And then it was in that journey, it's like somewhere, I can't tell you when, but like. <laughs> So it, it, it was sometime doing that that I figured, you know what? I th I think I'd worked my way up to that point was like 13 miles, right? I I unofficially done a half marathon, and I was really super proud of myself because I'm like, awesome. oh my god, 13 13 yeah. miles, this is so cool, uh -huh. uh, or 13 one, and like I, I was I was super like stoked, and I was I was really impressed with myself about it, and then it, it was somewhere somewhere in that time period, I'd say, I don't know, closer to towards the end of 2013. Where I thought, you know what, um, I might actually be able to run the marathon. Like it was something I never thought. I kind of, I kind of threw that idea out of my head a very long time ago, um, because I, you know, I just I never was. I never ran the right way, uh, and I would run for five miles, right? And we're talking I, like a like 2006, seven area. I would run for five miles, and then I'd have this pain in the back of my knee, like my IT man. And it always hit like in the five in the five mile range. And then I just I just convinced myself from that point on that I was biomechanically enabled to go that distance, right? I just accepted it. I'm like, okay, well, that sucks. I keep having this pain. I don't know why. I'm young and it happens. I'm like, you know, what's going on? And and then I just convinced myself that okay, maybe you just have to be certain body type, uh, certain weight, height, I don't know, um, to 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 run like past five miles. And that's fine. Like I don't fit that that, you know, that that prototype, that physical, that physical structure. And that's fine. Like, I'm totally okay with that. And then it wasn't until I, I, I ran the 13 miles that I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm past five miles. This is, this is cool. This is really cool. And then I thought, all right, I could, I can, maybe I could actually do the marathon. Um, and I'd known that my brother had, a, so he, he passed in 2012 and he was training for his first marathon. He never got a chance to run it. And then I thought, you know, in, 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 in doing that running around Brooklyn and, you know, exploring the neighborhood and slowly working my way up to these distances that I thought I never could run, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in that process, the idea came in my mind that I might actually be able to run a marathon. That would be cool, right? Um, and then if I did do it, I should do it for David. And that became the whole motivation. So, like, after I figured I can run the 13.1, I started training for 26.2. Right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, everything takes work, right? You have to have a goal. You need the determination. 
you've got to have um, some kind of plan, right? Uh, and and I did that, and so over time, and it, it wasn't it wasn't right away. It wasn't one, two, three. I I I, I like chosen the marathon that I wanted to run, and it was the New York City Marathon. Um, unfortunately, it's not as easy as signing up for it. Right. <laughs> it's a right. process, and and there's like many different ways you can get into it. Um, the easiest way, if you if you if you live in New York City or the tri-state area, is to do what's called their nine plus one program, where you sign up for nine races, sign up, run, and complete those nine races, and you volunteer for one. Like you take a volunteer shift at any one of their races, and and that guarantees you entry, right? So now you can apply for the marathon for the following year. And so it's not, it's not, again, it's not, it's not a really easy thing because you have to run those races, volunteer for it the year before to gain entry the year after, right? So you're, you're still waiting at least a year um, to, to run that marathon. And yeah, so, and so it really, time commitment, right? it's a long, it's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, and, you know, like, I did the math. I worked out the timelines. I'm like, this is, wow. This is, so this is crazy. The, the earliest I could actually run the marathon, if I start now, which was the end of uh, 2013, the earliest I could possibly run it is November, 2015. That seems so far away. <laughs> um, and, but so I did it. I was patient with it. And, and like, I'd worked myself up, you know, to that distance. And in 2015, November, I, I ran it. And that was, that was the best race like that I had ever run, right? It had meaning to it. Um, it was emotional, right? Across the line. My, it, it, you know, it was my marathon PR for a long time <laughs> uh, because, because I put so much into it and, and my legs felt totally broken afterwards. I mean, not totally broken, but like it hurt to walk. <laughs> and, and after you, after you uh, finish the New York City Marathon, if you'd ever run it, it, it's like you have to walk for a long time until yeah. you exit the park. So it's not like you cross the line and it's like, okay, bye guys. I'll, 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 you know, I'll see you later. You have to walk like a quarter mile just to get to the exit to, to leave the park. And so, uh, so I did that. And, and then, and then I sat on the curb and I just like try to take it all in. Right. Um, and then I asked someone to take my photo, uh, you know, just to commemorate it. And that's the photo. Like, that that I, that I like to use, I like to refer to when 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 I talk about finishing my first marathon, yeah. and then to add insult to injury, it doesn't stop there. So I thought <laughs> I thought like my legs really hurt, right? <laughs> you put a big effort when you put a large effort like that, uh, it that's gonna happen, right? But but then then I figure, okay, I'm not going to the subway. Like, ouch, every it hurts to walk. I'm just grabbing a cab, um, or an Uber. Right? No, you can't you there there the streets are so packed with people and runners like leaving the race yeah. that you can't simply leave <laughs> you can't leave you can't walk to the subway the subway's a few blocks away a few avenue blocks away which is very long and right. and and like to even to even get to a street where there's there's a, a, like cabs or like a corner where you can hail an uber that that's that's another at least quarter mile away and so right. i'm <laughs> i remember leaving that just like just like bit like zombie walking, right? And right. they give you they give you this poncho, which is a really nice quality poncho. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst part of the marathon. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> leaving the marathon. <laughs> but those I didn't care. Of, I was you know, those are night. some of the the greatest pictures online and and on the news when they show the runners at the end, they've got like the the shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> it's you almost have to train for it, right? Like <laughs> mentally, you have to train for all right, I'm gonna run the marathon. 
physically that's taxing. And like, if I put a you know big enough effort, it's going to hurt, but right. man, I got to get ready for that post, like finish line walk. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So you ran the New York city marathon and then where was the jump from marathon to ultra? When did that happen? So, so there's New York city marathon, right? Yeah. Um, Two weeks after the marathon, there's something on the calendar call, called the, uh, like, New York Roadrun is 60K, right? And I remember thinking at the time, I, I was very happy and proud of myself that I ran the marathon. I did it for David. And like <laughs> like many running things, <laughs> when you get to a distance and you actually complete it, you start yeah. wondering, like you're, you're like, you're like, oh, man, all right, cool. This, this, you know, this running thing is really cool. What's on the calendar? You know, like, what's, what's next? Um, people are always asking themselves what's next, right? Not just me. Anyone else who takes on any kind of challenge, any kind of physical challenge will ask themselves what's next, right? It's like, it's like, it's the, the logical next step, right? Um, and so I did the same thing. And I logged into uh, New York Roadrunners and I go to the calendar expecting like the next thing was going to be a 10K or a 5K in Central Park and like something along those lines, right? I saw that the very next race was something called the 60K. And I thought to myself, six, what on earth? 37.2 miles. Who on, what is that? Yeah. Like, so, so first of all, you know, I, 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 I saw that the, the, the headline was 60K, right? And I'm like, no, that can't be. That's like a team event. That's a relay event, right? And so I click yeah. on it, expecting like, and like, it's like forming in my head. I, I see the, I see the headline is, is in New York Road 60K. I automatically assume, oh my God, that has to be a relay race. That's going to be really fun. You know, like I, maybe I can, I can run it with uh, this friend or this friend. And like, and like I, at the same, while all of this is going on, I'm clicking on it. Right. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm reading the description and it's not a relay race. <laughs> it's, it's a single participant race. And I'm like, yeah. Wait, hold on. Who, who's going to run 60? Who's going to run 37 miles? It's crazy. Distance. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so like, it, it, it was, it, it, it just boggled my mind that, 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 that existed. Right. And so then I thought next thing was, all right, well, that the taxi single participant race, where is it? And it was all in central park. So it's, it's, and it, it, that's where it still is. But, you know, at the time I thought 37 miles of central park is nine loops of like central parks, uh, larger inner loop, uh, like roughly four miles. And, and you had to do that nine times. And I thought, I, I can't, that's, that sounds mind numbing. I can't, I can't imagine that anyone would want to do that. And so I actually ignored it. Right. I thought, no, that's crazy. I don't know who's, I'm not for me, not for me. You know, like if it was, if it was 37 miles where you started on one end of the island and then you made your ways to another end of a different island, that's a destination type thing. It's a journey. And I'm like, I would rather do that. And then, and then I'm like, no, I'm not doing loops. Like the one thing I will not do is loops of Central Park. One loop is enough. Harlem Hill crushes you, right? And everything, put everything in perspective. Harlem Hill is like t a tiny little thing. Right, right. <laughs> but like, but like when you're first training and you're first racing and, you, and, and you're signing up for these races and you're, and you're running them, you hit Harlem Hill and Central Park. It, it, it feels like a mountain. And I thought I'm not running that thing nine times. It's, that's right. insanity. But it, it nags at you, right? And it wasn't it wasn't long. It wasn't like I thought about it for the week, you know, and like the next day I was like, oh, I'm curious. No, it was like literally half hour later. So <laughs> I closed the browser. I clicked, I'm like, no, 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 not for me. 
and I get back to work, right? Because I, 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 was at, I was at work, and this is actually the Monday after the marathon. I'm still on cloud nine, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I, you know, like I, I see the 60K, and I think to myself, that's not for me. That's for crazies. No. Uh, literally half hour later, I'm like, yeah, but what if, right? <laughs> and then I start, like, researching it more and then reading race reports of people who actually did it. And for the people who completed it and wrote about it and posted it online, it sounded like it sounded like a, like like a battle, you know, like a journey, like such a learning experience. It sounded something like that was really, really big. So, like, you know, put the marathon here and their version of this account was like up here. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do that. Right. That, that sounds, no, how am I, this person had such a difficult time and they look faster than me already. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. And then, and then, you know, like, and then I, ke- I kept thinking about it. It didn't leave my mind and I finally signed up for it. So I thought, okay, I, I, I'm going to do this thing, right? I have to do this. Right. Um, I signed up for it. It was two weeks after the marathon and I was scared. I was terrified. Yeah. I remember thinking at the time, like, um, this is yeah and then i started looking up uh in in like reading those race reports i found terms like ultra running uh, ultra marathons ultra runners and i thought wow this i didn't know that world existed and i'm like that that sounds that's really intriguing that people would want to run those distances i thought the marathon was the top like i thought that was it you reached that level and you did it and that that wasn't the case and so i'm and then i'm really nervous right cuz i didn't fit any of the stere- like stereotypical shape of a runner right in my mind wasn't like my body type and i'm thinking man but i don't know if i can do it like again that question of like whether or not i was biomechanically able to, able to do this right. stuck out right because the person who wrote the race report they have photos and you know like during the race uh like post race and i'm looking at that person's physical yeah. <laughs> appearance <laughs> like they just they look they have the body of a runner then they're, they're, they're like, they're saying how difficult this is. And I'm like, and I, what am I, what am I, what am I putting my, like getting myself into? Right. Um, and I was scared. I was scared. And I thought like, I don't know anyone uh, who had run at that point. I didn't know anyone who ran an ultra marathon. No one in my family, certainly who had run uh, these distances before. And I thought, but what if I did this, I'd be the first one, you know, like in my family to, to yeah. run this, this type of distance. Right. Like that would be cool. Um, and I stressed over it and I did more research on ultra marathons for a 37 mile race than you could possibly believe different <laughs> scenarios. No, seriously. Like I had a spreadsheet and everything Oh like, yeah. Cal- calorie intake, like, you know, pace charts on a uh, base case, bull case, bear case scenario, like, you know, worst case scenario, like all this stuff. And I'm like, no, we're going to slam this thing. We're going to get it. And, <laughs> and I did so much research on that one race, right. In retrospect, it's 37 miles. Right. <laughs> we're going to get this thing. And I had drop bags, like you wouldn't believe and like Gatorade. <laughs> so I found my main fuel source. Cause I knew nothing yeah. about proper fueling, like nothing at all. I, th- the one thing, that I took away from researching ultra marathon, like ultra running, right? In general, the one takeaway that I took that was consistent throughout is that there is no consistency in it. So everyone's race reports were totally different. Everyone had a different plan on nutrition, a different plan on pace execution, a different plan on like how you should approach the hills and like um, when you're supposed to save your legs for running faster. Everyone had a different approach. But the end result was success. And I was so confused because I'm like, I don't understand. This person is saying, you know, take a like electrolytes, um, 
like, I, I don't know, like an electrolyte pill once every hour. And this next person is saying, no, you have to be more aggressive and upfront about that and take like three before this. And I'm like, I don't understand. This is so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Right. And I didn't even know what an electrolyte pill was. So, <laughs> so I, so like, I didn't know what it was. And so like, I, I uh, relied on Gatorade. So I'm like, that's what athletes drink is Gatorade. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and, and then, then it came the day before the race and I had, you know, my drop bags and, and, um, uh, like lots of drop bags, it changes shoes, like everything. Right. And I was ready the night before I write, I write this post on like, Oh my God, here it is. <clears throat> this is my first foray into ultra running fingers crossed. Like I actually make it. And, right. and, you know, the Saturday came, it was, it was freezing cold because it was two weeks after the marathon. And, and like, for some reason it was just like really, really cold. And every single time I've run that race from that point on, it's been really cold. When in reality, it's mid November, right? But but so then the morning of it comes, and I uh, this is still in New York City. The New York Roadrunners headquarters was on Fifth Avenue, and you know I go to Fifth Avenue to pick up the bib, um, and uh, like the race shirt. And the one thing I noticed was you didn't have these large crowds that you usually do for the five Ks, the ten Ks, and the marathons, right? Like at all, there was maybe like 140 people total. And I, I didn't, I didn't, I, like, I wasn't used to that. I was used to these large events where you had hundreds and or thousands of people running these races, right? right. I expected there's going to be like corrals, like there normally is like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like, right. you know, people are going to be lined up and people are going to be running this crazy nine laps of Central Park. That wasn't the case at all. It was like, uh, like 100, 130, 140 people. I'm looking around like, did I have the wrong date? Like, where is everyone? I don't understand. And <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't understand then. I know now, like it, it's very, it's, it's, as you increase in distance, you, you have, that's just the like, fewer number of people will sign up for those distances. I right. get that now. I didn't get it then. I'm like, no, you put, you put New York road on a brand on a race and, and like thousands of people will show hands down. Right. That's not the case. So I, I start running. And I, the one thing that, that I, that stuck in my mind was <clears throat> like temper your pace don't run fast. Don't run fast. Right. I'm like 10 minute pace, 10 minute pace. That's one thing stuck in my mind. Um, of course, if you're not used to running a 10 or 11 minute pace, right? Like if that's not, you're not accustomed to it because in your training, all you ever known was like running fast. Sure. Um, I, I maybe I ran 10 minutes for the first mile. And then, and then I like, you know, that competitive streak comes on because there are other runners in the race. And I thought, right. wait, no, that, that, that person's running fast. I'm going to, I'm going to run fast too. And so like, you know, 10 minutes became nine, became eight. And I didn't even realize that I'm just chasing yeah. the next person. Right. Um, when you're not supposed to be running another person's race and ultra running, you have to run your own, your own race, go at your own pace. And I'm just, I'm chasing, right? So now I'm, ch I don't know why, but I'm chasing. And <laughs> I get through two laps uh, or maybe like three laps. Everything felt great. And I'm like, and, and like, I, all the preparation I did, all the pace calculations and like the, that Excel yeah. sheet that had all this stuff on it just went out the window because I <laughs> forgot it all. <laughs> I'm like, I'm following that guy. He knows what he's doing. He's having a great time. And then when it started lap four, nah, he, he went off. <laughs> he continued at his, you know, his pace that he's used to. And my legs were killing me. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got six more laps of this. <laughs> what right. am I doing? Um, it was it was it was a long it was a long day <laughs> to say the least, but, uh, but I eventually crossed the line. And you fit, you finish it. And, and to put this in perspective, this is only five years ago, right? You said 2015. Yeah. yeah. And only 
three years from the start of the game of hundos? Uh, it was, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So those three years so, go by, where do, where do we jump into hundred mile <laughs> races? <laughs> uh, it, it was, so after that race, um, you know, I, I thought that the marathon, I felt my legs felt broken after the marathon. They really felt broken after the 37 miler, like the 60 K. Like when I tell you my legs were aching, I had a headache when I came home. Um, and, and the next day, Sunday, I felt at, like terrible, right? Like if you told me it's time for another race, I would have said, absolutely not. That was insane. I'm never going to do that again. Um, you know, and in retrospect, I didn't fuel properly, like didn't have enough hydration. I went out too fast. So there's, there's like, there's a lot of different reasons why I felt that way the next day, but I didn't understand that. All I knew at the time was I feel like crap. Why do people want to run this distance? It seems yeah. really foolish. I don't want to do it again. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, it doesn't take long before, you know, gears start moving because oh, yeah. <laughs> we have short <laughs> memories, right? Like, like right. Just, we're, we're, we're emotional animals, right? human beings are, and, and we have short memories, uh, whether, whether selectively or not, you know, the, 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 the memory of an intense of an activity that had an intense pain associated mm-hmm. with it is shorter than the feeling of that you had when you completed it, right? Because that feeling of euphoria, I think, is greater and it stays with you longer than right. the feeling of like, this hurts. That was the absolute worst I felt in my life, right? Euphoria, intense pain. Euphoria, intense pain. Euphoria is going to win, right? And and you have this nice and because we we commemorate it <laughs> with this physical medal, it looks badass, right? It's like, oh my god, that that medal is really cool it's something that you could wear it's like it's like or or you could hang it up on you know your windowsill whatever it is so so that that feeling of euphoria will always trump the yeah. worst pain because because it's always in your face like there's a physical way there's a physical something to commemorate it so of course the the day after i i felt like i'd never run anything over a marathon again i was even questioning whether i'd run a marathon again because i'm like no that, that hurt ouch like i can barely walk today i don't want to do this um, and of course, like <laughs> a week goes by and I'm looking at the metal on the window. So I'm like, that was, that was pretty badass. That was cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it wasn't even the end of the year. And I know through my research of like the, how I should run the 37 miler, I, I, I eventually found out there are things like 50 milers and a hundred miles. And I looked at the hundred at the time I looked at the hundred miler as something that was way beyond my comprehension i couldn't understand people staying awake through the night breaking night and like going continuing to the next day couldn't understand it had no no way to um uh to like associate with it you know and and like relate i couldn't it was just like it was above and beyond and i read accounts of people hallucinating and that like that scares me because i don't i don't like to hallucinate i don't want to hallucinate especially when i'm by myself in the middle of you know like a dark towpath right so like yeah. or, or wood. I don't want to do that but uh but um <clears throat> I was curious what was what was above the 37 right and I knew it was 50 miles so the, the first thing I did after I had that week of you know <laughs> telling myself I'm never going to run these distances again they hurt too much right. uh was go back online and check out okay well the next step is a 50 miler where's the next 50 um and I was hoping like expecting actually for there to be a 50 miler in New York, right? Um, or I mean, New York tri-state area, like where I live, right? Um, and at the time there wasn't. 
the closest 50 miler was in a place called Lockport and I, that I'd never heard of, never been to Lockport, New York. And it was the beast, the bird and 50, 50 miler, right? They also have a hundred, but I was no way I was going to do that. Right. Um, <laughs> but I saw the 50 miler as something that was possible. And the, the next date for it was in January. And I thought, which was a month away at the time it was a month away. And I thought, okay. Um, and I told, now keep in mind, <laughs> intense pain intense pain and euphoria intense pain i yeah. forgot about that yeah. was done that was like that was last week's problem this timeline <laughs> is amazing this timeline marathon <laughs> i mean in the span of a couple months well well i mean I, I, we always I, I i think i think that's that's human humans are humans are wired that way totally. where they want to when when they push when they when they set their minds on a goal and they accomplish it there's you know there are physical, uh, um, like almost chemical, there's a chemical connection. So when you actually have these feelings of euphoria, you're chemically connected to that, that event. Right. And so, so, so your brain remembers it in a different way. Um, when you, when you like see visuals of that event of the finish line, um, you, uh, it, it brings it back. Right. So like it comes back, right. It's like, it's like how smell, uh, like brings up memories, like what, look, looking at those, those medals or those photos will, will br- like bring up the same feelings of success and victory and like things like that. Um, now it, it's, it's different with in, in from person to person, right? Some people will, um, will have that feeling of like, that was great. I want to do more. Um, and they will like, and, and know that they want to do more, but, but like, they'll take a little slower pace with it. Right. Um, and some people just know that, you know, I, I did, I did, you know, X distance, um, and I'm comfortable with it. Like, like that, that, that is a distance that I'm totally fine with and I'm comfortable with that. Um, so yeah, it, it's a little, it was a little fast. It's great. <laughs> from, and, and I love the, the foreshadowing it kind of gives of what's coming around <laughs> the corner, right? <laughs> so the sympathy comes, right? I signed up for it. That's the very first step of getting yourself in trouble of signing up for something. And, and so like, I, so I did that and I signed up for it and I thought it was a month away and okay, there's no, I can't turn away now. Um, I already signed up for it. And so here, here we go. I I'm, I'm like getting nervous and worried about it and wondering how on earth am I going to prepare for this thing? Um, and then all that work and research that I did for the 37, like the 60 K again, out the window, like somehow I forgot about it. I spreadsheet, I did a lot of work on it. And then I forgot, I don't know where it went or what happened to it because I started a new plan and that plan was to finish the 50 mile. (laughs) And here we go. It's like automatically started from scratch and like, okay, how do we, how do we get this thing done? And I'm reading everyone who like, who shared their race reports. I'm reading their, 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 their accounts of it. And then, of course, the only consistent thing was it was that there was nothing consistent at all, <laughs> and <Right>. everyone had <laughs> you know even more varying accounts of how you know, their version of a success was. Because in a fifty miler, you have to have drop bags at this point, at this point, and you know, it's it's like oh my gosh, um, I signed up for that race, uh, and and you know I could I prepared for it as best I, as as I could, but I didn't I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. It, so that that was a winter race. It was in January in Lockport. And Lockport, New York is actually, it's freezing. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's locked because it's right, it's right uh, it, along the Erie Canal, um, right by the Great Lakes. They get lake effect snow. It snows more frequently there than it does like in the surrounding areas. And it just gets colder. And so um, 
I prepared for it the best way that that I knew how, and that turned out to be like insufficient like, during the race itself. Um, because it got to the halfway point, and I was like in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was borderline hypothermic because I didn't have enough layers, and and the layers I had were like the the, the nice dry and warm clothes were at a different location um, because I'd miscalculated how long it was going to take to get there. Right. You have snow on the, on the trail. Um, and like your, your, your 10 minute pace estimates all, all of a sudden became 12. And I didn't realize that when you, when you're running, even it, <clears throat> like, even if you're running at a 12 minute pace and you have all your clothes on and it's like 15 degrees outside, when you're running, you're still, you're still sweating and you're like wet underneath. And when you slow down, the first like cold wind chill that that comes your way will pierce through your body and it will freeze your bones like you never felt before and so that's what happened to me and so (laughs) I wasn't moving I wasn't moving like the pace I thought I should be moving but the pace that I estimated right even in my worst case scenario I don't know what happened and so like yeah I was moving slower than in my worst case scenario and the in the the um the cold was just like just like piercing, like piercing, like piercing me. And uh, I get to the aid station at mile 25 and <laughs> I, I sat down and my, my goal was to you sit down get some food and go right back out. Right. Like I was like, Nope, got it. Got to keep moving. Can't stop. But I'm like, but I was in dangerous uh, position because I was still wet from, from the sweat, but now I'm in a tent that's very warm. And they've got these heaters, like these torch heaters that are very comfortable. And, and it's 70 degrees, like in the tent, right? Yeah. But it's 15 degrees outside. And I'm still, I'm still wet from sweat, right? So like what I don't realize is that the minute I go outside and if you know, I continue running at like not the pace that I wanted to, I'm going to be in very big trouble, right? I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't realize all that. And I'm like, all right, good to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm like getting up to, to, to get back outside. And this guy stops me, right? <laughs> he's one of the volunteers. He's like, he's like, um, hey, what's going on? Uh, how, you know, like, like, how you doing? How you feeling? And I'm like, oh no, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just gonna go. I, you know, gonna go straight out because I have to keep moving, keep the body, good core temperature up. And he's like, uh, hmm, because he, <laughs> he, saw me when I, when I came in, right? right? And like, I'm like all wet inside. And he's like, uh, and he's like you're you're like your your teeth are sh- like shaking right like you, you know yeah. when, when you're cold and and like he's like you know you like your face is so pale like you don't are you okay and i'm like yeah. i'm fine i'm fine and he's like I, don't, I think you should stay here and warm up and i'm like no no no, i gotta get back outside because because like i'm still like my clothes are, are wet and i have to i have to keep moving to keep the core temperature up and he's like i don't think that's a good idea so so his name was dwight right and <laughs> And he actually, so he's like, and then when he mentioned that, then I started feeling like really, really cold, right? And like, like, like hypothermia, like borderline hypothermia, right? Well, it's like a real thing. And, 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 and he's like, no, 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 we got to get you into some dry clothes. You can't leave out here like this. What, like, where's your clothes? And I'm like, well, my clothes are 12 and a half miles at the other aid station. And he's like, oh man, okay. Uh, you got to take your clothes off. <laughs> and <laughs> And here I am in, in a tent, right? I don't know anyone there. I like I I went there by myself to finish right. this race and right. like do the race. I don't know anyone there. And all of a sudden, I, I'm stripping down to my underwear, right? In a tent with filled with other people. 
um, so that they could they could dry my clothes in front of the like the space heaters. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Dwight's coming over. He's putting like a blanket over me, and 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 like he's giving me all this hot soup and stuff like that. Um, I was in that tent for almost an hour. I didn't realize uh, like how dangerous that situation would have been had I not stopped there to do those things. Right. Um, and if I actually went back out like on my own. Uh, and into the cold, like still wet and like not having enough calories in me. Um, because really my, when I got to it, the, that aid station, I was, I was like focused on in and out and I didn't eat enough. And so like, I didn't realize that at the time I realize it now. Um, and, and so like that really saved me. And so like it, it, it sort of turned me and turned my race around. I so like once my clothes were like dry, semi dry, cause you can't really get them totally dry in that time, put it back on. Um, I felt a lot warmer with calories in, and I went right back outside, uh, and, and finished the 50 miles. So that was, that was like, that was, that was a tough, that was a tough 50. So the, uh, the temperature made it tough. It was very cold. Uh, and the physical activity made it tough, right? Because it was still 50 miles and still time on your feet. And like, there was a lot of things associated with it. Um, and when I got to mile 48, like at the time, I, like, I, I, I was doing it for, for my brother, right? Like, I, because around that time, any race, like, the races that I, that I ran, uh, I, was, I was inspired by my brother, right? Because, you know, like, it, it, was, it, it was close to me, and it was special to me, and it meant something to me. And I started tearing up at mile 48, because <laughs> I realized, oh, my God, I'm going to do this thing. Like, finish at 50. Right. Um, and, and so Beast of Burden is kind of a... Uh, it's one of those races that that it's a uh, it's it's um it's like a cruel joke in a sense because when you get to <laughs> when you get to the the uh, two miles from the finish you're actually you could actually see the finish line uh, right across the Erie Canal and so you can hear people celebrating and you you can see them and but you're still two miles away like you still have to go like a mile down and you have to cross over a bridge and then come back a mile to the finish line but you could see all this action <laughs> when yeah. you're two miles away. So, so like I saw this action and like realizing like, Oh my God, all I need to do is make it there. Right. Um, and, but like, I got emotional, you know, and, and, you know, I, I knew that I, I, I was there. That's something that I was running for my brother. I was inspired by David and I finished it and I was, I was so happy with it. I was, I was, I was extremely happy with that one. This, this is awesome. I love how it's all, it's so fresh still. I mean, it, it feels like you ran the race last weekend with, <laughs> with all the details. So, um, and it is, you know, I, I think getting this, this backstory is important because it really sets the stage for, first of all, again, this is only a few years ago. It's only a couple of years before you started the game of hundos. So um, it really is like an origin story, you know, uh, but yeah. let's, let's jump into the game of hundos. Cause I want to, I want to make sure we have, you know, plenty of time to chat about it bring us up to speed with how that started and I mean I'm, it's going to be hard to sum up you know a hundred weeks <laughs> but let's at least make the attempt uh yeah. diving into the game of hundos uh so it never started out that way at all it started um it started in 2017 so if you're looking at the timeline you have that 60k and then well the marathon you have the marathon and then the 60k and then the 50 miler and then later that year, my first hundred. Um, and then after in 2017, I, I had this idea that I wanted to run uh, 200 milers back to back. Like that's just 
an arbitrary physical challenge that I wanted to like do myself. Right. right. I, I thought like I knew how hard it was to run 100 like, and, and like I still do still appreciate how difficult it is. It is by no means easy. <laughs> that's, that's the number one misconception I get is that, oh, my God, hundreds are must be easy for you now. No, they're no, they're not. <laughs> they are difficult. Yeah. They should be taken seriously. Every yeah. race is, you know, has its own set of challenges. And you have to appreciate that before you actually do the race. But anyway, back then, 2017, um, I wanted to do a back-to-back. So finish a 100-miler on the first weekend and then, you know, have that five days recovery and then start the next 100 and finish it on the following weekend. Right. And I, I tried, I, I tried uh, twice in 2017 and I failed both times, right? Like I would finish the first race um, and then run the second race the following weekend and find some reason wasn't physical it was all it was always mental right to quit and first the first time i quit uh the back-to-back was because i made it to the aid station at mile 55 this is actually eastern state eastern states 2017 made it to the mile 55 was halfway house an aid station called halfway house um and i uh i had five minutes to get out of that aid station and i'd already known that getting up to that point Getting up to that aid station, I was struggling with sleep. Like I was falling, I was like, like um, sleepwalking, and I was just having a hard struggling to stay awake. And it wasn't even that late; it was 11 p.m. Uh, but I got to halfway house, and I and I felt like there the volunteers are already asking, give, like asking me, "Hey, you got to make a decision. Are you are you going or are you calling it?" And I thought like, and I'm getting I'm getting like stressed out, right? Like, oh my god, well I got all these things I still have to do. I have to go to my drop bag. I have to get food. I'm like, and then I'm thinking irrationally, right? Like I started thinking if I get on the trail and and I make my way to the next aid station and I don't make it by that aid station's cutoff time, whatever it was, I don't remember what it was. If I don't do that, then will they pack up their bags and leave and potentially leave me stranded out there? Like, so that's what, that's what my mind was at the time. And, and I thought, I felt like I can't take that risk. Can't be stranded out there. I have no cell phone reception, there's no signal. There's nothing. Like I'd be, I'd be on my own. I'd be like, I'd be in trouble. And so I t- took that easy out, right? Like I, I was like, I, I have to call it. Like, uh. and and the biggest regret, it wasn't physical. The biggest regret was, you know, of course they drive you back to the start finish area. I get in my car, change change my clothes, and then take a nap, right? You know, wake up four hours later, and then I start. Like you, you just you just start regretting the decision the decision that you just made, right? Because like, well, not, I'm fine physically. Why didn't I just push on, right? And so that regret was there. It was like, and so then I thought, I gotta try it again. Like I want to try this again. And and it it didn't happen right away because it it takes running hundreds. It's like it's a logistical challenge. <laughs> so even then, it was a logistical challenge. It has to work with my work schedule, like the the race itself. Um, I, I have to, like the, 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 the time constraints for the race have to be such that I could make it there, you know, leaving on a Friday evening from, from Manhattan and then, and then make it back to work Monday morning without being late. Right. And so like those constraints, uh, like they don't, they don't, they're not very easy to come up with. So, um, the first time I tried the back to back was in August. And the second time I had the opportunity to try it again was in December. So like, this is months away. Right. And so, and so it wasn't because like I was just like dragging my feet. It was, I had to find the right opportunity. Right. Um, and so it happened again. And like, I finished the first race and I DNF the second race. And it was like so frustrating <laughs> because it was, it was, it was another situation of that. Right. Except in that, and that's in that instance, 
I started getting cold in the overnight and I, I didn't want to, like, I started thinking, creating excuses, right? Like, oh my God, what if I, what if I like, like freeze, what if I go back out and I freeze, right? That would suck. <laughs> and then, then I, then I, and I had plenty of time and I thought, man, I can't take that chance. I'm like, yeah. what, what chance? I didn't even try, right? Like I didn't even try to go back out, back out there and, and, and like give it a good effort. Like I, I, I automatically thought like, oh my God, I'm going to freeze. That's it. Yeah. Can't do it. And, <laughs> and then, and then I regretted it. Right. Like I was like, okay. oh man, you know, the next day I'm like, this is, why did I do that again? Um, so that was in 2017, tried twice and I failed twice. And then in 2018, I thought, okay, I'm, I want to do it again. Like I, this is something, this goal that I had that I wanted to finish, but like, it's the same deal. It's, it's, it's logistically, it's hard to find. It's challenging. I should say it's challenging to find races, especially hundreds that are back to back where you could actually schedule it. That works with your life schedule, your work schedule, um, like everything else. Right. And so that opportunity came about in November, 2018. And the first race was the Chattanooga, uh, 100. Mm-hmm. And that was like, man, that race, it rained for like more than a day, over a day of that time. It was, and it was a mud fest and it was, it was awful yeah. <laughs> and it had so much climb to it. And like a genius, I wore road shoes because why wear, why we wear trail shoes to a, uh, to a trail race, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so the experience itself was very challenging, but I crossed the line. And then, and then, and then I thought, I saw that the next weekend was a race that I could get to that actually worked in my schedule. And, and I thought to myself, oh my God, this is the time to execute. I got to do it. Like I want to try it again. And the next weekend was Daytona 100. And I'm familiar with that race. I'd run it already two years like in a row. And I thought, all right, I already got Chattanooga. Daytona 100 is, is a race whose execution I'm familiar with. I've done it two years in a row. And I'm very confident that I could finish this one. And so um, I ran it. Right. Uh, and I start running and I, I somewhere in the first mile, I run to my friend, Kevin Sass. Right. And and like we start running much. He's a much faster runner than I am. And but I thought I hadn't seen him in a long time. And 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 like I told him up front, like, hey, man, you're much faster than I am. And this is my second week, like running. This is my second uh, hundred in a back to back attempt. Don't let me hold you back. If, if you feel fast for whatever reason, go. Like, right. uh, honestly, I won't, I won't take offense to it. Just like run your own race, but it's great to talk to you and catch up. Right. And so, and he knew that he understood and he's like, all right, great. You know, like, we'll just run for as long as we can. And then I'll take off when I take off. And I was like, oh, awesome. And so we, and they were running and we're talking a mile, you know, mile goes by two miles, 10 miles go by 20 miles go by. We're still, we're still together. Right. We're running at a 10 minute, 10, nine, 10 minute pace. And I didn't expect that I'd be doing that, but that's what we're doing. And and then, and then 30 miles go by 40 miles. And then, and then we kind of make it like, all right, let's see if we can get to the halfway point. Let's, you know, like in this thing, like 10 hours. So we, we just, we just, our goal was, all right, let's, let's see if we get to halfway point in 10 hours. And I'll probably, and Kevin is saying, you know, I'll probably have to take off then. And I'm like, totally fine, man. <laughs> I, again, I won't take offense. Like I, I love this conversation that we're having, but I know you got to run your lot faster. I know you got to run your race. Just, just go when you need to we get to the halfway point in 10 hours and 15 minutes. Right. So, so like, so like pretty, pretty, pretty much on target, uh-huh. but I felt fine. And I love the conversation. Right. And again, so this will be like a central theme. This is what I love about run, the sport is that you create these friendships. You have these conversations, you get these different worldviews, right? This is all part of ultra running that you, that you, that you not, I wouldn't say you only get it in the sport. It's a big benefit of, of like 
like participating in the sport is that you have the opportunity to do those things. So, but back to the story, we start running 60 miles, 70 miles. I'm getting a little tired, right? Like mile 75 area. And I start doing like the sleepwalking thing, right? And, 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 and I, I, I thought Kevin was out. I thought at that point, once I started, once it started hitting, I thought he's going to go because it, it was our, we hit mile 75 in 16 hours. And I started doing like one of these things, like, oh man, this is like, I'm having, I'm having a tough time staying awake. And I said, Kevin, I like, and he, he's ahead of me, right? Like he's walking ahead. I'm like, Kevin, I don't know, man, <laughs> if you got to go, go, we have plenty. I have plenty of time to finish this, Yeah. but like, I can't stay awake. And, and he was like, he told me, he was like, no, 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 no. Come on, come on. We're going, mm-hmm. we're like, let, let's, let's stay awake, man. And he's trying, he's trying to keep me awake. And that, that like sleepiness spell only lasted for 20 minutes yeah. because after that point, he like, he stood with me. He was, he was awesome enough to stay with me. And um, we hit my lady and I was fine. And like 85, we started running again. So, which was insane. And then, and then like, we're, we're running this in now because now we have thoughts. My goal was for that race was 28 hours. Right. And I told, that's, that's another thing. In the beginning, I told him up front is 28 hours. Yeah. And he told me his goal was sub 24. Right. And I was like, all right, immediately we're ready off. Cause I'm not, I don't want to do a sub 24. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so whenever you have to go, just go. And at that point we were on pace for a 22 hour race. And it was like insane. And we start running and we're passing people. We're pa- now we're passing people. Mile 85, we're running. And then like a nine, 10 minute pace again. It's like, where is this coming from? Um, and actually PR'd, we both PR'd. Actually, we stood together the entire race. We crossed the line. We passed a bunch of people. And I was, I could not believe, right? Yeah. That, that performance, that execution. So of course I'm on cloud nine because I just PR'd right. my 100 mile time in a back-to-back, in a second, like 100 in a back-to-back attempt. Like how, like, how did that happen? I don't know how that happened. Um, and, and I was on cloud nine. So I get to work, right? And um, that Monday morning, and I started thinking like, I can't believe that, that that was a physical performance that I didn't think I was capable of. And all of a sudden it happened. Holy smokes. I wonder if a trip was possible. <laughs> and so that's how it happened. It, it, it rolled into like three and then four and then five. And then once I got to five, I thought like, this is insane. I, yeah. Like, I, like let, let, let's see if we can get to 10, right? Let's see if we can get like 10. Like how awesome would that be to do 10 hundreds in a row? I never thought I could do two. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm on five. Um, and then somewhere like in six and seven, the cumulative sleep deficit started to catch up on me, mm-hmm. uh, catch up to me. And like, I, I feel like just drained in the middle of the work week. And I'd be at my desk at work. Um, even though I'd gotten sleep the night before, you know, during the work week, just falling asleep like this. I'm like, oh my God. I can't if I make it to I hope I can make it to 10 this is very hard um and I'd be really grateful if I made it to 10 and then this amazing thing happened so it was was hard it was tough because my body was getting like trying to adjust to this you know like I'm telling it every week hey by the way we're not going to get sleep for a night and a half yeah so just get used to it and I just give me still give me performance thanks (laughs) (laughs) my body's getting adjusted to that um but this amazing thing happened I got to 10, right? And I was really like excited and happy about it. And then it went away. That, that you know, that sleep, like that whole like this during the work week went away. And I didn't change anything with my sleep schedule. I still, you know, w- was losing on average a nine and a half of sleep um, every week. My body just got used to this load that I was like uh, introduced to it, right? And these demands that I had for it. And that's what amazes me um, 
for 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 in in in, in this like in this physical like attempt, right? Is that when you try to do these things that you didn't know that you were capable of, your your body has this amazing like ability to adapt. Yeah. Um and and it adapts in in amazing ways. So I'm not saying I'm not I'm certainly not uh like you know condoning or advising that people should lose a night, two nights of sleep every week. I'm but I am saying that if you if you were found yourself in in that position where you have to do it, you you totally can. Um and that that just like, it, that was so interesting to me. And I thought, oh my God, I want to see like what we're capable of, right? Like what am I capable of? Um and so I continued like past past 10 I went to 11 12 13 and I was still I was still taking it on a week by week basis there was still no end point right there was no end point um but it, it was after 10 that I started looking up records because people people you know came back and said hey is this is this like the most anyone's run hundreds before and honestly I didn't know yeah. um and I and then you know like and I'm answering the question like I, I don't know honestly I don't know is is there a record for this and so like I look it up and and there was um and I thought, uh, why not try to keep going and, yeah. and see what we can do with this? Um, and so <laughs> that's what we did. And so it was, it was um, uh, like a week by week. I took it on a week by week basis from that point. And I thought, okay, if if I have to stop at any one time, totally fine. Um, but I want to see how far we can go. And and then here here you know like so I continued the rest of the year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I make it to 2020. Um, it's I'm 50, 58 weeks in at that point. At the end of 2019, um, like people had sort of expected that that's where I would stop because it's a natural endpoint to to it, right? Like calendar year should be a natural endpoint to to like these things. Um, and I made the decision while while I was running number 58. Um, in Arizona is a, across the years, 40 hour race. And I thought, okay, well, I have this post already made <laughs> <Yeah>. for, <laughs> for what the next 42 weeks would look like all of the races like that would be in that. Cause I'd done the work. It took weeks, but I, I had done the work, um, uh, for what, for what races like would be in the next 42, but I was waiting for the end of like across the years before I made that decision. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to see where like my headspace was, I, you know, I wanted to see if I finished 2019, did I still have the same feelings for the project that I, that, you know, that I did when I started. So I, I didn't want to commit to something if I didn't have those feelings anymore. Right. Cause who, who knows? Like I might've crossed the finish line and thought I'm done. Right. <laughs> I'm done. Like, all right. Whew. I'm glad I didn't post that last week. <laughs> <laughs> But but I finished the race and I thought I'm never gonna have a chance. There's I'm not gonna have this opportunity in life to take off, you, you know, like to commit. I, I shouldn't say take off to commit this much time to 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 a project like this. And, and like I, and who knows if I if I will still have the same success factors, right? Like if I'll still have the same uh, physical capacity. Like things have lined up in such a way where it's unbelievable to me. And so I, I've got to give it a good effort, right? And so I posted, I put po- like a hip, a hit post. <laughs> I, it was already written. Like I had this stuff written like like a week in advance, and it was like it was like it was like a yay or nay, right? Like all right, finish yeah. the race. How do you feel? You feel great. You want to do it? Good. Post it. Yeah. And so that's what yeah. I did. And it was like at that point, I'd already committed myself, right? Because once it's out there, like for forty-two more, it's out there, right? I, I can't I can't go back on it. And so 
Well, I mean, you can, but I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, so it was out there 42 and I'm like, well, let's do it. Got to, got to do it. Right. Um, and so my goal at that point at the start of or end of 21 or start of 2020, however you want to look at it was a hundred hundreds and it was official and made it official and put it out there. We were a go, right. Three months into the year, we're at 69. Things are going great. Like I running the races, I'm finishing the races. And I had, I, I had uh, these sub goals, right. To, to like, I, 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 at that point I had gotten confident in my execution where, where I thought, all right, let's do the hundred and a hundred, but let's also like, let, let's also take care of other things like 50 States. Right. I want I wanted to do 50 states because at that point I had I had a fair bit of states uh, completed. And I thought, well, let's try to get the rest. Um, and I wanted to open it up to other countries because I thought, how amazing would that be? Right. Like, I, I want to see if we can do this. And so, like, I had these sub goals and and I worked into the schedule and and like had all the flights, all the hotels, all the rental cars, all the race registrations, everything taken taken care of in advance. And that took weeks alone. That took weeks. Week 69 um, comes and New York City gets locked down, <laughs> like shut down and right. locked down. And I'm like, oh, my God, what what is what's going on? You right. know, like we had already been hearing about the pandemic. We known about it in China. People didn't realize or like the, I, the media effect of it was such that people didn't expect it to jump the way that it did uh, and come into the U.S., as quickly and like um, as vicious as it did, right? And of course it did. And and New York City was why not? Right? <laughs> the number one hotspot. <laughs> so New York City gets gets shut down, and it's like races are getting canceled left and right, right? Not just not just not just the race that I had for that immediate weekend. Um, races all across the, my calendar were getting canceled. You know, as far as uh, August and September, and I was like it was so demoralizing yeah. to receive all of these emails from the race directors and race organizations and say, sorry, we have to cancel, postpone, defer, or, you know, like change the date on this or no longer can hold this race. Right. Um, and I'm like, what do I, what do I, I don't, how do I handle that? Right. And so um, it wasn't just the race registration, like that I had to, to take care of. It was the flight cancellations, the hotel cancellations, for the most part, they were fine with refunds or like credits. Others didn't like, they didn't cater to that. They're like, well, our policy is if you, if you don't go, if you don't make it, like, that's it. And I'm like, Ugh. so I, I had to eat some costs, you know, associated with that. And that's fine. That, 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 that's just the risk that comes along with it. Right. I didn't like it, but like, that's the risk. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I was, I was, I was sad uh, <laughs> that this thing was happening. Right. I was sad for our country of the world that this thing was happening. I was sad for myself because I worked so hard a year and a half to get to that point. And all of a sudden, an event that you can't possibly predict happens like uh, like a hundred year flood. And it literally was a hundred year flood, except it's a hundred year pandemic. And it's happening now. And I'm like, why now? Why are you happening now? Right. <laughs> can't, can't you happen six months from now? Like, come yeah. on. Uh, but it happened. And I thought like, I had, I, so I, so I, like, I quit in my mind, I quit and, um, I didn't know I was struggling, struggled for, for, I struggled for maybe, uh, like a week and a half on what the right thing to do was because I'm like thinking 
I could salvage this. What's the best way to salvage this? And I'm like, all right, well, what if we, what if we modified the course and started running in, in the city? Like, and my, my first thought was across Manhattan bridge back and forth 50 times, right? Cause that'll get you to hundred miles. Um, and then I thought like, is that the right thing to do though? Uh, it goes against what the advice is, what the medical experts are saying, and it's, it's sending off the wrong message. Right. Because at this point, I'm posting these things and people are following along. And if I'm saying if the medical experts are saying, hey, stay inside, um, you know, uh, don't leave social distance. If they're saying that and I'm saying and I'm doing something totally different where, where I'm like, I know what they're saying, but I'm going to run 30 hours outside anyway. That's yeah. not I don't want to I don't want to promote that. I don't want to support that kind of ideology. Like, I don't want to I don't want it out there that this is OK to do. And so I was like, I, don't, I have to call this thing. Um, and it sucks because it took a long effort, a lot of effort to get here. It took a long time to get here. And I don't know, like personally, I don't know if I'll ever have these factors line up in such a way where I can do this again. Um, and like, you know, I'm sitting on my couch just like watching TV one day and I look at my living room <laughs> and I look at the carpets uh, specifically and I'm thinking, I didn't, so I like, I, qu I quit in my mind. I quit. Like I, I, I struggled with that decision. I made a decision and I thought this is the socially responsible thing to do is to stop here. And if the decision was in my mind, I didn't post it. I didn't say that I was stopping the game of hundos there, but it was in my mind. Like that, that's, that's what I was going to do. And, you know, before I said anything about it, I'm, I'm like, I'm just watching TV, sad, yeah. <laughs> sad and a little bit relieved. So this is the weird part. I was actually like, I was actually, it, it was, it was, it was such a juxtaposition, right? Yeah. Um, it was bittersweet because I, I was bitter for the obvious reasons, but it was sweet because I was tired at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like I, my, my body could use the rest. No, seriously. I was like, I was like, yeah. yeah, I'm 68 weeks into a project <clears throat> that is, takes a huge physical toll. And here I have a get out of jail free card that I could use and not get penalized for it. No one's going to fault me for stopping the game of hundos because of a pandemic. Right. right. Because, right. because I'm, I'm actually locked in my home. Right. right. Not locked. Like no one's forcing me to stay there. But like that's the guidance. And I thought th this is a get out of jail free card. And, and maybe who knows, maybe it's supposed to happen this way. Um, you know, before I get hurt, before I get injured, this is the, this is how it should stop. You know, so, so it was it was it was this bittersweet, you know, but I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like I didn't work so hard to get here just to stop here. And I started looking around the living room and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just curious just curious how, what is the perimeter of my carpets, right? And break out this tape measure and I start, you know, like I start measuring and, you know, Netflix is playing in the background and then, and then I'm like, hmm, okay, well, 40 feet. <laughs> All right, so this is 40 feet. Uh, I'm just curious, like how many, how many turns would it be right. for one mile? Just like one mile, right? right? It turned out to be 138. I'm like, a lot that's a lot of turns on this carpet i'm like ah. and I, i'm like kind of talk half talking myself out of it like you know it's going to be a lot of pressure on my knees and like how frequently do i have to rotate uh yeah. so that i could save my knees right and, and i'm like ah, that's 138 rotations for one mile i don't ah. but how many for 100 miles so <laughs> 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 i did all the math right and it's like 13,800 turns of of you oh, know of this <laughs> i'm like i'm like and you know you already know that <laughs> if, if you have the personality type to to like to um to <laughs> do this like uh to, to train and run for 100 miles right to, to like to push yourself to go those to, 
and you already have this idea to, you know, run around your living room carpet, you're going to run around your living room carpet. There was no turning back. Once it, once the thought was in there, all I had to do was like, all right, what's the track going to be? How do I minimize the effect of noise from my downstairs, downstairs neighbors? Um, how do I live stream this? Cause that was a big component too. Cause I wanted to make sure that if I did something like this, I need accountability. One, I need to have it recorded. Like it, it, need, it needs to be documented somehow because the last thing I want to do is, is say that is, is say that I did this thing. Right. And, and, and like people have doubt. Right. Um, but, and I also wanted accountability for myself. Like, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm running, if I'm running around my, my living room carpet, like, I, I want to make sure that I get it done. So right. if people are watching and they're, you know, they're, and they're encouraging me and giving me support, you know, uh, virtually that they're also witnessing this thing so that I, I don't, I don't quit. Right. right. Because if I make like, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to quit or have it again, like have this easy out. Um, so I figured out the technology for it was actually a lot trickier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it, that took a long time. And I had some, I had some blips, you know, like trying to, trying to figure out how to, how to wire this thing the way that I wanted to and how to broadcast it mm-hmm. on, at, on a continuous basis, how I wanted to do that. And it was, I had a continue, continuous broadcast for two and a half days. Um, and it, and it worked, but there were they, like, it was, it was not the easiest thing to figure out, but anyway, it worked. And it, the whole run itself took 60 hours. Um, very tedious. Uh, I would wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't advise it. I don't advise people to do it. I would never do it again. Yeah. Um, but it had to be done for for the project to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I during during that time, like I'm running around my living room. I had also ordered a, a treadmill from Amazon, and I figured, okay, you know, this living room thing is nuts. I could only yeah. do it one time. I'm gonna have to continue the rest with the treadmill. And I honestly thought at my time at the time didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last. I, I thought I was going to finish the game of hondos on a treadmill. <laughs> like, I'm like, worst case scenario, if we're locked up here for however long, I'm going to have to do the rest of this project on, like on, on this treadmill, which sucks, but hey, that's what it is. Um, and then there was also relief in that because I thought that, you know, a treadmill hundred is going to be the easiest hundred that you ever do, right? Because all you have to do is keep up with a moving belt. That's right. all you have to do. You're in the comfort of your own home. You have all the Netflix and all the like TV shows and movies that you could ever watch. You're in a climate controlled environment. You have access to a fridge. You can get food anytime. You can order out. You have a nice warm bathroom to use. You can take a shower if you wanted to. You know, there's a comfortable bed. For all those reasons, I thought that this this is going to be a really, really easy thing to do. And it turned out to be one of the hardest things that I ever did. Mentally, I just, after 10 miles on the treadmill, I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> so the indoor series, well, we'll call it uh, maybe Brooklyn series. That went on for how many weeks until you were able to transition back out to actual events or you know self-supported hundreds? So I did uh, ten weeks of indoor hundreds, and I, I mixed them up in a variety of ways. Um, and then on week eleven, I went outside uh, to run around my block for four hundred turns. Um, and then, and then like around that time, it was, that was Memorial Day weekend and phase one of, of lockdown of like, or I should say the, like the, the, the opposite of lockdown, like the, the New York city economy reopening phase one was that weekend. And um, then, then I decided, okay, well, this is a good opportunity to venture out. Right. And so races were still not on at that, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they had a, bu- a bunch of virtual races, of course, but like real physical races where you're in person, they, you know, for the foreseeable future, not, not going down. Right. Um, and so like I took, so then I figured, okay, well, these are going to have to be on, on my own. Right. Yeah. Or, or, but I had amazing help from my friends. Um, but th- these are going to be unofficial, but this is the only way to do it. And so the first one outside of that was in New Jersey. Um, the next three outside of that were in Colorado. Uh, it wasn't until the middle of July where races, physical races started happening again. And they were totally different. They resembled nothing like the races pre-pandemic. And what I mean by that is you had different start waves. You had different like um, rules for uh, like aid stations. So, you know, we take this stuff for granted uh, or we, t- we took it for granted, I should say. Pre-pandemic, when you roll up into an aid station, <laughs> you, 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 if, you, if, you were pre- like, if you wanted to be in and out, you could do that because the food was out there, you know, in bowls and just like just like available for anyone to grab and, and, and take quickly um that that uh during the pandemic that was totally different so so now you had to like tell volunteers um what you wanted they would get it for you right so so they're they're, they were wore masks they wore gloves um they would get it for you and they would come back and so so now you're physically like separated from the aid station also you're like you're like six feet away (laughs) and you would tell the volunteer what you wanted they'd go out there get it for you come back and give it to you and then um it would proceed in that way right so so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like uh, it added this layer, this additional layer, right, of time that you needed to account for while fueling at aid stations. Um, so it was just it was just different overall. But I would say that the number one difference was the fact that people were encouraged to stay socially distant, right? And a big part of ultras is is, is running and getting to know people, <laughs> having that conversation and having that human connection, right? Yeah. So so when you're running a hundred mile race. And the race organization, for un- very understandable reasons, is encouraging people to keep their distance and not not travel in groups. It, 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 you're taking away um, a critical element to to these to these to these hundred mile runs or to the ultra racing ultra running in general. Um, but there's nothing you can do. This is the environment that we live in. So so getting used to you know there were races uh, that I ran totally alone. <laughs> which is weird because because there's other participants in those right. races right? right but no no one and you know people didn't want to run with someone else that they didn't know because they're like well we have to stay social we have to stay responsible we have to socially distance and like realistically i don't know where you're coming from <laughs> you know like you could be coming from part of the country that that is a hot spot right now and i don't want to risk you know like getting close to you right and that's that's like that's that's the mentality that that people have. It's a fear, and and I think I think uh, that that change was very noticeable, very evident in races uh, once races started back up again. Yeah, totally. So now we're approaching the end of the hundreds, of the timeline, you know, the dialogue we've got. So when when what I know you said at around you know sixty eight, you had made the commitment, you were finishing this out. At what yeah. point, when you got closer to the hundredth, one hundredth, were you like, you know, you could smell the hay in the barn, all those things? <laughs> you're getting excited, or was it something you kind of didn't let yourself think about? I don't. What was your mindset with that? Like, were you just focused on getting to the hundred, and then when it happened, that was the moment? Uh, I had that confidence at ninety-five, like the last five percent, all up until that point. Uh, when I left my uh, like apartment, 
my number one fear was because I still had I still had 20 to go. Right. My number one fear after leaving my apartment was what if I get sick? Right. It wasn't the physical. It wasn't like pulling something, um, you know, fracturing something or tripping on a root because because at that point I was pretty well versed in, in, in running. Like I, I, knew, I knew how to temper my my effort. I knew what my cadence was. And, you know, and, and I knew I knew how to uh, be cognizant of cutoff times and um, what I need. To, and so, so that part of it, I was pretty confident in um, uh, what my number one fear was was getting sick, right? Like, like, I, I don't know if what, like how I would react if, if I got sick, right? Is it something that takes me out? Is it something that like, you know, um, and also even if I got sick and I turned out to be, it turned out to be not a big deal for me. Like maybe I was asymptomatic. I didn't want to endanger other people. So part of it was, you know, the last 20 weeks of the project, I was going and getting tested. Like every, every place that I went to, if I, if I traveled to a hotspot, like in a, in a in an area where um, the transmission rate and and the number of new cases were increasing um, by X percent on a um, daily basis, yeah. I would get tested like right after that race, okay. um, and that is a very uncomfortable test. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable test. And I so the, b- before before I started getting those tests like on a regular basis, I would um, I took the antibody test. And I was I was I was keeping my fingers crossed that. Um, uh, and that, that was actually the first one that I took before I went back outside, uh, y- y- like to run these uh, hundreds like outdoors. Yeah. Um, I took the antibody test and like, like, you know, part of me was really hoping that I had it right. Yeah. And that like I processed it and it was already done and I had the antibodies and they were good for like a few months or whatever, how long they were good for this way to have to worry about until the end of the project. Right. Um, and, but it came back negative. I'm like, all right, oh, man, but I, I hoped, right. I hoped like, you know, at some point, I don't know, some, something happened and I had it and I had the antibodies and I don't have to worry about this anymore. And so, and so, but that didn't happen. So I had to be super careful, super cognizant of like air travel, um, right. how I was interacting with other people, uh, wearing the mask, like using hand sanitizer, all this stuff. And it was, it was really, so that was the last 20 weeks of the project. And it wasn't until I got into the nineties where I'm like, Oh man, I gotta be really careful now. Cause it's like the, the worst thing to do would be to get sick at right. 98 or 99 yeah. and, and not, and it's like be too knocked out to like even do it. Or like, even if you were sick, could, couldn't even do it. Right. So I, I thought, I thought like, if I got sick and I had to do the last runs on a treadmill, I have the treadmill in my living room. I can do it. I don't want to do it, but I can do it, right? Because that would be the like the the safe thing to do. But then the other unknown was, what if you get sick and it actually knocks you out? So like that's a very real thing too. What if you're physically unable to actually run the hundred miles? So all these things are going in my head. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until I got to ninety five or after ninety five where I was more comfortable. Like after ninety five, I was like, okay. Okay, I'm com- like I'm, get- I'm getting more confident now that we can get to the end of this thing, relatively okay. Um, and then you know, 99 comes, and that was Utah, right? And I had such such an incredible support system out there. That was such a fun race. Um, it wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was not easy. But like, it wasn't until I finished Utah that I thought that I knew, I knew. Okay, this is it. Like, mm. like we're we're getting this thing done. And then that whole, that whole like week I was on cloud nine. Like yeah. I'd written, I started writing the uh, race, the, the course manual. <laughs> like I came up with uh, the, the, the course, what it should be. Um, 
And then I started writing the manual and I started, you know, like writing the time estimates and all this yeah. stuff. And like, I was having fun with it. And I'm like, God, this is it. We're doing this thing. Just that, like this, your, you know, uh, your race manual was, I think, more detailed than some manual <laughs> put out there. Track. I mean, it was impressive. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it, to be totally honest. It was, I didn't look at it as work at all. Like, like I wanted to do something like that, you know, and I knew it was going to be, so the interesting thing is that I, I was getting before I before I announced what the course was, um, I was I was getting suggestions from people that I should run, I should do this run or I should run around Manhattan or there it should be the last run should be here to here or here to here or loops. Like gosh, someone actually suggested loops, and I'm like, are you are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Wait, what? No. <laughs> um, and then and then and then uh. And then I thought like, and all those suggestions, totally fine. Like, you know, on their own. Right. But I, I was, I was, I was thinking up here, like I had to, this is the last one and it needs to mean something special. Right. It needs to be, it needs to be big. And I knew, I knew it had to be big. Like I knew it was gonna be tough, yeah. <laughs> but it had to be big. Right. And I'm like, this is it. I, like, I'm going to put in the time, the work, the energy to get this done. And I'm, I want to do it right. And yeah. so I put out that race manual, that race course so that, for myself mainly so I can document this, but also for other people who wanted to join, right? So anyone who wanted to join anytime, anywhere along the course, and it actually turned out to be very well because a lot of people joined along yeah. the course and they followed that race manual and they're like, hey, you said you're going to be here, right? And so here we are. Right. <laughs> like, all right, that's awesome. Um, and I had people help me out with uh, writing the letters. Like, you know, I was very nervous about the letters because on paper, everything is easy. Like, right. you, can, you can draw the route. You can draw the letters. And I love Manhattan because it has a beautiful canvas where you can write, you know, right. like you've got, you've got, you've got these things and you can write a message. And I love that. Yeah. But like execution is, is a totally different story. Like if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention, you can run too, you know, too, too long in one direction. And now your letter looks like something else. And my fear was I might wind up writing an advertisement for a car company like like honda right game of hondas how how, how funny would that be <laughs> if i wrote game of hondas and all of a sudden oops right that's not what i meant <laughs> and, you know for i'll pause you right here for those of you listening on live or with the, the podcast replay what michael's talking about is running and then your gps is recording where you're running and so he wanted to spell out the game of hundos and run sun run so just a little background for you if you're listening to it <laughs> That's right. Uh, sorry, I should I, actually I said what it was. But the first part, so it was it was broken up into two parts. The first part was um, in Manhattan, and that that's what I call the quote unquote technical part of the run. And it was technical because I'm spelling out these words, game of hundos, right? right. And when you're spelling out words, it's not it's not. There's a lot of double backing on letters so that you make sure that everything connects the way you want it to connect. Um, you have to make sure it's legible, right? Like, did did I did I use the right streets? and cross streets to make this letter so that it actually looks like that letter. Right. Um, there, there, there's a lot of that. And, and, and you constantly have to, and they're very short, abrupt turns, right? So I'll give you like the middle bridge of the E, for example, right, is, is one block. Right. <laughs> so to make that bridge, what you do is you go and you, you know, when you start running that bridge, you run down the avenue block and then you run back. Um, uh, to, uh, you know, it, so it literally is a one, a one block out and back. Uh, and then you have to make a, an abrupt you know, left turn to go back down two blocks. And like, you have to be cognizant of these things the entire time. Um, and so there's, there's no zoning out. There's no like 
like a uh, fluid conversation. Of course you could have fluid conversation, but you have to be, you have to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, I was lucky in that I had, I had Phil, Neil, Maud, and myself as the core group for the Manhattan, for the Manhattan part of it, uh, help me, help me out, write these letters. So it took a lot of pressure off of me because at that point I knew that I didn't have to pay so much close attention and stress about whether or not we're doing these letters because I had four minds on the same thing. So that if I started running in the wrong direction, one of those other three minds would say, Hey, stop. Yeah. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Um, and they did that on a number of occasions where I thought, you know, like, all right, we're just a la di da di da. And I'm like, wait, 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 no, 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 now we got our two yeah. left. And I'm like, yes, you're right. right. <laughs> Turn around, la di da di da. <laughs> it sounds like you, I mean, you had a phenomenal crew from start to finish. I know there were uh, several that stayed with you from start yes. to finish, including a, a film crew, right? That you had with you. That's right. They were amazing. And that's like, so. Number like really quickly, that's what I want to highlight in this is that it was never a solo effort, right? These the hundred mile runs. There might have been a few races where I was totally on my own, and you know it was tough. But for the most part, by and large, I've had support, amazing support from friends all over the country, right? Who who volunteered their time to help me achieve this goal. Not only friends that I had already known, but people who I met on the course um, at a race helped me finish like the last 30 miles like I had cases where people who I had never met before didn't know before that weekend mm. helped me run help or they ran with me for 10 hours could you imagine that just like all of a sudden you don't know this person from from anywhere and 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 you're spending 10 hours with it. like it's a, that's a very that's a very special commitment give up your time in that way and and there were a lot of times where people had done that for me and so like that's why that's why uh one of the questions that uh, uh, so shy, so shy's uh, the director of the film crew. One of the questions he asked me was, um, you know, you always speak about this when you reference the game of hondos. When you reference races, you always speak about it in terms of we and us, and not I and me. And I'm like, well, yes, it's very important to me to make sure that I get give credit where credit is due, right? So like, I'd love to say I ran these all on my own and like, hey, I'm Superman and I can do these things. But the reality is, you know. You, I, this was this this always has been a team effort, right? And I, I, I get to where I've gotten to where I, I am because of the phenomenal help and support that I have from friends and family and people that I meet on the course. And I'm very appreciative and grateful for that. But on that day, I had an enormous amount of support, and that was just like <laughs> overwhelming. I didn't I didn't expect it, and so like I knew, loosely I knew that people would come out, and I thought for the people who come out they'll probably be at the support stops that I indicated on the, like on that course manual. Yeah. But then that's it, right? Like they, no, no one really wants to sign up to run all of this back and forth to spell out a letter, right? Like who wants to do that? <laughs> and I, and so I thought realistically, I'll probably see a lot of people yeah. uh, on that weekend, but I'll probably see people in spurts where they like, I'll, I'll see them at, you know, Columbus circle 59th street. They'll say hi, a quick hi and bye and maybe give, you know, like um some type of fuel chocolate milk whatever 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 it was and there was a lot of that but there was also a lot of groups that that came with us and stood with us for a very a very long time and we had we had a pretty strong overnight group um and that that surprised the heck out of me because it was cold it wasn't comfortable these are the mind these are the slow miles and i thought we were going to be on our own for the overnight because who's going to want to who's going to want to like sign up to run 
when it's cold outside along along the beach where it's even colder. Right. <laughs> That's Coney, Coney Island. And I'm like, who's that? I'm like, no, no one's going to want to do that. People want to do the, like the daytime running hours, you know, they want to take, they, they want to, they want to do that. And like, no one's going to want to run overnight. I don't even want to run overnight. <laughs> uh, but it turned out to be the case where we had a strong group and that was like totally shocking to me. That's awesome. And so let's, uh, let's talk about the finish. What were you feeling <laughs> you hit a hundred miles. Yeah. <laughs> if you could even put it into words, what what was that like finishing? Uh, so I had a tough time with the overnight stretch uh, with sleep. Like I was very tired. Everything hurt, and we made it to Queens. We were in Queens at that point, um, and uh, like mile 83, 80, like uh, uh, low eighties. And I knew back in my mind, like oh gosh, still have still have 18 miles to go. And I know what that feels like because I've, I've done it for 99 weeks. I know what that feels. The last 18 miles in a hundred mile run right. are very tough. And I know what it feels like. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a very long day, very long morning. And I'm doing the math in my head and like worst case scenario, going to finish by 6 p.m. I didn't want to finish, you know, like late afternoon, but that's the reality is it looks like that's the way it's going to be. Um, and I'm already accepting it. I'm doing the math in my head, but this amazing thing happened. So like we're in Queens, and more people started joining us, right? Um, like a lot of people, <laughs> and 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 that group kept growing, and and so like we're going through Queens, um, and we're going back into Brooklyn over the Pulaski Bridge. And at that point, we had so many people with us that I didn't even re- I didn't realize would join us. I didn't expect to join us, and here they were, and it, it gave me so much energy just to know that we were going to have a strong finishing group, right? And so something happened on. Franklin Avenue, <laughs> or as a Frank, no, Franklin Street, uh, Franklin Street turns into Kent, uh, uh-huh. Kent Avenue. And then on Kent Avenue, because that, that was one of my original run routes uh, when I was, when I was, you know, first like training for ultra distance was that, that stretch on Kent Avenue. And one, and I hadn't run it in years. And once I hit that, the switch went off and I had 85 miles left at that point. At that point, I don't know what happened, but my legs, just the turnover was, was, was crazy. So like I went from, I don't know at that point, maybe 12 minute miles, 13 minute miles um, to running seven minute miles. And it was, and I all all the way back to, um, to my, to my block. Right. (laughs) I don't know where it came from. It was just like the death smell of the barn effect. I talk about this all the time, you know, smelling the barn. It's real. It is 100% real. And it's like when your brain knows that you're about to realize something or you're getting close to you know completing a goal it, it it will it will give you and it's all mental that's what i love about this is like this journey is like you're finding out that we're capable of amazing things just by virtue of the way of like our minds right our minds will take us to where we want them to where we want to go and so and so like i had the legs all of a sudden that i didn't have for the last 30 miles like where did that come from i don't know it was it was like i was getting closer to home and right. so so i got home right? And, and I had eight miles left to go around the block. And I was 32 laps. Um, and the last thing I wanted to do was drag this thing out, right? I didn't want to drag it out. I knew I know that eight miles, again, we're going back to the last eight miles in a hundred mile run. That is very long. It's very hard. But I was, I was so, you know, I was, I was pumped up by one, I'm finishing this thing, right? That smell right. of barn effect. It is real. Right. I was pumped up because I had a large group and I had a large running group. Like you were part of it. You were DJ. It was 
and 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 those 32 laps honestly they they went by like i couldn't believe like yeah. we ran we ran most of it we ran most of it and at, the the closer we got to the final mile which in my mind i always knew that i wanted to live stream the final mile um elaine was there yashika was there you were there marcus was there marina came glory came and then like we're running this last mile all on facebook live and i'm like oh my god this, this is it and then you start playing you were playing you played um final countdown you played a bunch of the songs. It was yeah. awesome. And then, and then you started playing Rocky, go the, going this, and I was like, all right, that's it, we're done. <laughs> it took off. It, and then, and then we crossed that line. And you know, Brooklyn Bridge Park was the finish line, right? The invisible finish line. Um, we got there, and it was just like, I, I couldn't, I like, if you told me that we had, hey, oops, we made a mistake, we have to run five more miles. I, I was so, I had so much energy at that point. I was like so happy at that point that if you told me that at that point, like, hey, yeah. Mike, terrible news, man. Like, we got it wrong. We really have five more miles to go. Yeah. Like, I, I would have been like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So then you finished. And what was, what was going through your mind when you hit 100? Gosh, it was... Um, and I kind of, I kind of expected this. Like, it wasn't gonna hit. It wasn't gonna settle until like the next day or or days later, right? And it took it took some time. Um, it, it was very satisfying that I didn't to know that I didn't have to do another hundred mile week, right? Because because they're they're all they're all you know. I, I start I start most races on the second half. So if you want to talk about the game of hundreds, first half is the first fifty. Second half is like. Or in thirds. Actually, let's do thirds because pandemic hundred totally different environment than the first two thirds pre-pandemic. So if you want the last third of it, um, so I would I would I would categorize the first third of hundreds as having very high confidence when I started the race, right? Like every race I started had very high confidence. Legs felt great, feet felt great. Like all right, let's do this thing, and then and then you know that confidence level like starts to it, it fluctuates all throughout right and then then you finish you cross the line and, and, and you encounter some tough tough moments the second third right um i would say the confidence level was like much lower at the start because the cumulative effect of all of these footsteps that you're putting on your body this pounding doesn't come for free <laughs> it actually you know that this takes something out of you right and so like i noticed it in terms of um uh slower recovery um a slower pace overall like i couldn't i couldn't you know when i did that 22 hour um daytona 100 kevin like and you told me i had to do another 22 hour uh, you know run uh, uh during the second during the second third i would have told you i don't i don't think i'm capable of that i honestly i don't i don't know i, I can't do that um and then and then the, the final third where there were some races, there were some weekends where I, I didn't have that confidence, you know, like I, I thought like, well, no matter how this weekend goes, I'm going to finish the distance because that's what I committed to. That's what I'm dedicated. Like, and I, I will, I will go for as long as it takes. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care because this is what I, this is what I can, this is like, I have a, I have a particular dedication to this project and I want to see it through, but there were, there were some weekends where I didn't have that high degree of confidence starting the race. Like, you know, I was very concerned with um, the elevation or the altitude or the technicalness of the course um, or the the course itself being loops and, and just like knowing that 
that that's very taxing mentally to run loops <laughs> after right. after being trapped home running loops around your living room. It's like like and I have a high degree of confidence. Um, but then, I like you you find a way to finish it. Whether or not you have the high degree of confidence uh, uh, or not, you 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 know you do the race and you have your fluctuations, your high points, your low points, and then you find a way to make it to the finish line. Right. Amazing. All right. So I'm going to ask one more question and then we'll open it up for Q&A. And very appropriately, we are approaching the hundred minute mark in this interview. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. to do. Great mean, timing. It is good. It is good. Um, so one of my final questions for you is, and I'm going to, I'll put you on the spot here, but yeah. you know, with these run venture interviews we've been doing one of my favorite parts is hearing which you've already spoke to you know yeah in the interview already but just hearing from runners going below the surface a little bit of the actual run to talk about like you know what it meant to them how it was life-changing I mean obviously this was a life-changing event but if you could put some of it into words of you know just what the experience has meant to you and how it's you know, maybe changed your, your perspective and worldview, all that, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, man, you're putting me on the spot. No, so the first thing, so this is, you know, obviously I, like, I think I think about these things. Um, the question, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. First and foremost, why are you doing this? So like, so like, you know, when you engage in a project like this, your reasons for doing it should not be, I want to do this because I want to, I, there's a record out there. I want to break it. That's great. That could be your main, that could be your motivation for doing it. Um, that shouldn't be the only motivation, right? There's got to be something else. And I, the only reason I say that is because putting yourself physically through this, through this, uh, through this challenge of, of running this many, does not come for free and like i said this before but i'll say it again it's like it's you 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 are taking something away physically right whether that's in performance or future performance um or like a longer term recovery timeline um you know like i i'd, I'd like you know i, I finishing this project um uh just to give you an example this past weekend i ran um with phil uh finishing his perimeter project of the all five boroughs of uh, New York city. And the last borough was Brooklyn. He saved it to, so that I could run with him. Mm. And I honestly thought that if I take, if I take, you know, a weekend off, we, we planned it so that we would run it two weeks after the game of fundos finished. Right. And I thought, okay, if I have 10 days of recovery of abs- doing absolutely nothing and just letting my legs recover, then I should be totally fine for this run when we run around Brooklyn. And, and then, and then, you know, this weekend comes and, you know, we start out relatively, you know, at a, at a really good pace, everything's feeling good. And then, but like I, I encounter challenges, you know, like I it, it, it was not the easy run that I thought it was going to be. I honestly thought, okay, well, this is 60 miles. Like it's not a hundred. We're right. going to finish in the same day. Like, like I should be able to do this. No problem. Um, but it was hard. <laughs> it, it was, it was hard, you know, like, and so the second half was like, man, you know, like this, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet in terms of recovery. Recovery is going to take longer than two weeks. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's the first thing. The first thing is find the reason why you're doing it, because the thing that you're doing is take is all, is very physically taxing. 
very mentally taxing. So don't do it because you want to, there, there's a record out there that you want to break. I really find a re- the why, why are you doing it? So of course, just having that, of course, your people are competitive. So if you want to break a record, that should absolutely be on your list, but there should be something else. Right. <laughs> um, and, and for me, it was um, going out and exploring my physical, my, my personal physical capacity, right? So like, even before the game of hundos, even before, even before like I embarked on this journey, um, I was very curious to find what my personal capacity was physically and mentally. And this is like a different, a different study <laughs> that, 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 that I had um, that I called like the capacity curve analysis, right? And this, some of it, some of it I've like written about and posted on a lot of it. I just keep to myself and like my own, my own self analysis. And, and at the, and the, the capacity curve is like, okay, what is your capacity at different, different effort levels, different distances. Um, so if you plot this out on like, you know, hundred meter dash out to hundred miles yeah, uh, in, in different effort uh, scenarios, like what does that look like? And, and, you know, so it's like, that's like, like a different thing that I do. Right. And so like, I, I, I love the data behind this. Right. And so, and I love the fact that hundred mile races give you a, a a lot of data <laughs> but then you quickly realize that that's not one it's, it's not nearly enough data right and two every race is different right but that's something that's something that that meant it was very curious that i was very curious about right so so personally what is my capacity physically and mentally right um and so i was, I was very like uh very curious about that question so like that 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 was in the back of my mind that had, that had always been one of the reasons why like i I push myself to, to, to do these ultra distances. Right. Um, and then of course I, I, so that, that's, that's one, right. Um, the, uh, the, the, the trying to break the record for the, um, you know, cumulative weeks, uh, or, or number of hundreds run in a year that came second. That was never, that was never a primary goal. Um, but because, because, because we are competitive beings, of course it, it, it became a goal. Right. So right. that, that was, that was part of it. And like in my list of reasons that, that, that was also tacked on as a reason, it wasn't the first reason. And then, I was, and then of course um, I run these for David, right? So David is my inspiration. Um, he died in 2012. Uh, he and I had different life philosophies. Um, he would, he valued life experience, like going out to different parts of the world and experiencing what it's like to eat food of different cultures um, and then just going to different like cultures in general and experiencing that, what it's like. And that never appealed to me. Right. I honestly thought like, uh, I don't know, man, I, I think what we should be doing is not traveling when we're in our twenties, we should be working right. <laughs> and you, you should save that money. And, and then, and then, you know, you know, invest like, um, smart like uh, intelligently uh and then grow that money and then and then when you're later on in life when you're established you can do whatever you want but when you're young like you have you have to use this time to to set yourself up for the long term right that that was always my mentality and then his 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 mentality was totally different we were also different um personality wise right he was always outgoing he was always like he was a people person and he could just like get in a room and then get people smiling and laughing and and just like it, he was very warm to be around, right? Like he's the guy that you wanted to speak. He was very, very like, you know, like happy, <laughs> and just very interesting person. And like, and I, I was, I was quiet. Um, I was more, uh, I was more like to myself kind of thing. Like if if I had a weekend uh, after work, like after the work week, I I would find comfort in staying in, right? Like, st- like 
you know, I like, oh my God, that was, that was a really tough work week. I just want to stay home and wind down for the week and watch movies. And like, that's it. I don't <laughs> like, like parties and stuff like that. I, I, I don't, I don't have the energy. It's too much social energy for me. Like, I, like I, just, I worked 80 hours and I'm like, now, now I want to have just like downtime. <laughs> um, and so we, we differed on those different like life, life philosophies and personalities. Mm-hmm. And then but he'd always told he always told me that I should not be as as like work focused as I was. That was that was a constant message and that he would tell me, um, and I would tell him otherwise. Right? We don't we'd always have this like um, just like difference in opinion. We never fought over it, but it was a difference in opinion. It's like, hey, you should do this, and I would say, no, you should do this, and it was like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then he died. He died. He was riding his bike to work, and. Um, February 2012, uh, March 2012, and then he was hit by a car, and that was it. He was 29, and I remember thinking at the time, like, oh my god, you know. Well, first of all, I just lost my best friend, right? And I didn't know how to think about that. You know, I was very angry about it because here, here, this great, this great guy, right, is very, very good values, very just like, how does his light get extinguished the way that it did? And you have everyone else like in the world who, you know, or, or people I should say in the world who do like terrible things and they have all of these second chances and like, and they like, well, I don't understand how that works. How is that fair? That's not fair at all. Um, so then I went through that period of like asking why, like, why did that happen? Right? Like how did a person like David go out like that? Like what, like, how does that make sense? So, you know, like I had personal, like I, I had to answer that question, <laughs> but then I also thought about this stuff that he was telling me, you know, like, um, you should go out and experience the world. And I thought, well, you know what? That's probably sound advice because, you know, he died young. What? And if I die young, I I, I would be dying with no no type of uh, like really, like you know, life experience yeah. other than other than working a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I and I you know, that was outside of my comfort zone as it as is like you know going going out or or like socializing more with people or like talking or going to parties and like stuff like that. Right. Cause like my, 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 my personality type is not to do those things, but I pushed, like, I, I, I gave it an effort. And so like, you know, at work, um, uh, I was in research at the time and I would, we, we'd have these, uh, work events where, you know, you, you can, you can, uh, you, you present your research, you know, you have conversations with clients and then afterwards there'd be this, um, People would go to uh, the client event, which was, you know, at some you know, nearby uh, bar, right? right? And in the back of my mind, I always thought, okay, just make an appearance, just go there, you know, talk to, you know, have a conversation with one or two clients, just show that you were there, and then go home. Like, <laughs> I, 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 it wasn't my scene. And then, and then I started to uh, think differently, like, okay don't do that. Like focus on a different execution instead of going home early, like talk, talk to more people. Right. Um, and then I did, and I found out almost always that I had a better time just like, and it didn't have to be a, a work conversation. It just had a conversation with, you know, someone who I just met that night. Right. And, and then, uh, and then I, I found like, okay, this is actually, this is cool. Um, and then I started racing, uh, again, you know, I uh, wanted to run marathon for David and then it progressed into these other distances. And I eventually realized like, this is, this not only is a physical um, test to what you are capable of. It is also a social event, right? Like you're meeting new people, you're getting different, 
like uh, different uh, opinions, different conversations that, that you're having, and you're meeting people from different areas of the world, different parts of the country, and they think differently, and they all that that's like that's valuable um, insight that you would you would not get otherwise if you stayed in the same like geographic location, right? Like home. Right. <laughs> and um, and and I started to value that more. So so my why is different from you know everyone else's why. Like everyone's gonna have a different why. Uh, for, for anything they do. But for me personally, it was go go and discover what my personal capacity was, right? I, I, I wanted to know. Um, and, and then, you know, followed by um, go and see the world, right? Uh, engage in conversation, make friends, um, you know, put yourself in social situations that you normally would not have put yourself in and see, see what you learn, right? And so that, that, and, and that was second. And then third, is the competitive part of it. It's like, huh, there's, there are records to these things and let's see what we can do. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. I I love that. It's, it, you know, it's, we could call it well-rounded, but you know, it wasn't just one particular reason that, you know, you, you went on this hundred week journey, you know? Um, So I'm going to take a peek in the live chat to see uh, what questions we have. We can go through them. All right, so let me pull up the chat here. 97 comments, holy smokes. <laughs> Hopefully I can scroll through these. Give you a little bit here, uh, let's see. A lot of comments, looks like it was pretty chatty talking about uh, 3000 loops around the rug. <laughs> oh, you gotta make sure you, uh, you hop on here and read some of these comments. Oh, is there, how, how do I, let's see, is it in the chat? It is, it's in the, uh, in the Facebook chat. Live. I'm gonna have to open it on- Oh, Facebook Live, okay, I'm in Zoom. Yeah, I'm gonna oh. have to go on my laptop because my, <laughs> my cell phone won't scroll down that far. So hold on one second here. All right, pages, Sasquad, trail running. Okay. Yep. 97 comments. Here we go. (laughs) My cell phone won't scroll down that far. So cut the the volume here. Okay. Here we go. See if it'll explain <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm troubleshooting a little bit because the comments are maxing out my screen. So let's see here. I think. Yeah, I don't know if I can see any questions. So if you had a question, if you can drop it immediately, I'll keep the screen open. So then I'll be able to see it hopefully right now. Um, But I can do a couple of rapid fire questions for you because I had a few written down just in case something like this happened. Um, So these are (laughs) questions that you can just shoot the answer off real quick. All right. Okay. what running shoes did you use primarily? Asics, 
Basics, okay. <laughs> uh, GPS watch? Uh, Garmin Phoenix 3. Okay. And what was your fastest 100? Uh, was that Daytona one? Uh, 2018 Daytona 100, 22 hour one. Okay. And then how about the slowest? Was it the treadmill one? Or I mean the apartment? <sighs> Uh, it was the backwards one. So the backwards treadmill 100 was 60 hours. Okay. So, okay. And then the next question. Oh, okay. Finally. Okay. I'm sorry. Now I've got the questions here. So <laughs> these will be better than mine. Okay. Uh, Rosa Tolentino wants to know, did you run the week after the 100 or did you rest the entire week? No, I did nothing. So for 10 days, um, my step count was probably fewer than a thousand steps per day. Okay. Maybe even fewer than 500 steps per day. And that, that was by design. I, I wanted to give like total complete rest and, 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 and see where we would shake out. Okay. Um, Robin Chase wants to know, did you have any injuries over the hundred weeks? Um, so I didn't have injuries in the traditional sense where I didn't, I didn't pull anything, twist anything, sprain, strain, pop, break. And thankfully, um, and I didn't, I didn't get sick. Uh, and I'm very grateful for those things, but I did get slow. Like it, 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 it um, uh, just my execution, my, my, my pacing slowed down significantly. Like, uh, I could always start, you know, um, and this is what I mean when I say like, this doesn't come for free, right? So every week will take something out of you. So I, so I slowed down in pace, but I always had the ability to start the runs quick. And what, what I mean by quickly is I could, I could sustain a 10 minute pace if I had to like at the gate. Um, but, but the, the time, like the, the time to fatigue, right. So was got, got shorter and, and shorter. Right. So if you, if you look at it from like the very first one, the time to fatigue would be like, like half a day, 16 hours into the run. It was just like, you're, I was fresh and it, it would take longer before I got tired. And that, that slowly compressed, it compressed, it compressed. And so I would take, it would take shorter amount of time before I got tired. And so that was all cumulative effect of running these things um, back to back to back to back. And it's a very big ask of your body, like, you know, your, your legs, your mind. And so like all of it, um, did manifest itself in, in, in that, like a slower pace overall, but also like a, a, a quicker time to becoming tired. Right. Right. All right. Next question. This is from Bailey Lewis. Did you get dizzy running around your rooftop and around the living room? Uh, uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, yes. Uh, the, the living room. So I, uh, I, so the living room run took 59 hours running, running like loops and loops and loops and loops. Um, when I first started, I, I had fresh legs, right? Like, like fresh legs. And right. so I, I ran, I, I, if you want to call it running, it was more like fast shuffling. Um, but, but I, I was faster in the beginning and I did, I did, I did get dizzy. It was weird. Yeah. But um, again, this barn, this barn effect is very real. And if you were tuning into the last five miles of that indoor hundred, when I got to mile ninety six like when i started mile 96 i sped up because i wanted yeah. to be done i was excited that i was get i was going to finish this thing and i and i was like i'm, I'm, I'm singing like i had music playing at eight. <laughs> and it was it was a great it was a great like it was a great time but i got as i got faster i was also getting a little dizzy like whoa okay i need to, I need to slow this one down <laughs> all 
Awesome. All right, we got a couple more in here. This is from G who wants to know, do you have any plans to run a 200? Which I believe you've already done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I honestly don't know what the, what the future schedule looks like. Okay. I'm sure everybody's, I, I mean, I asked you that last week when we spoke. <laughs> Everyone's probably yeah. asking you, right? What's next? Yeah. What's next is, is a big question. So you don't want to go on the record right now. Um, the, so the very, the very next thing that I had planned was, was the run around Brooklyn perimeter with Phil. And right. we did that. And so like, I have no plans for the next one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, this is from Yoshiko. <laughs> questions. Which songs did you request DJ Kim? Um, yes. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, you mentioned a couple before, but you can tell everyone you're <laughs> So just to set the state, to set the, the mood of that final uh, eight miles, Yoshiko was on cowbell. So she, she got a cowbell and yeah. she was ringing it the entire time. It was awesome. Um, and then, and then Kim was on DJ, like she, you had the uh, speaker, the portable speaker. Yeah. And so the songs that we play, we've played final countdown, I think three times, um, uh, Rocky going the distance, yeah. uh, queen. Um, I don't know if we played Bohemian Rhapsody, but we played we're the champions and, um, uh, there's a other anthem one song that there, what, what is it? We're the champions and. It was the second one. There was, um, a, there was another Queen song in there. <laughs> there was that. Eye of the Tiger? Did you say Eye of the Tiger? You did do Eye of the Tiger, Eye yes. The Tiger. Oh, twice, twice. Yeah. So, so you need a little Eye of the Tiger action. And so like, I kept trying to think of these anthem kind of songs. Um, the funny part is, I don't really know the lyrics to these songs. Like like yeah. Final Countdown, it beats me what they're saying, right? And so, but, <laughs> but the chorus, it's the chorus, right? And so it's funny because, we're trying to sing along. <laughs> I don't know what the lyrics are, but when the chords came on, we were like super strong and confident, like, yeah. Totally. I'm sure it was, it was very beautiful to onlookers. <laughs> yeah. All right, couple more questions here. Um, Jason Friedman wants to know, what was your strategy to keep your energy steady? So uh, maybe like, what were your go-to nutrition strategy for right. the hundreds so uh two parts of this uh question two answers i would say a two-part answer i should say it's um expectation versus uh um uh fueling uh, so for fueling you always have to fuel you should fuel whenever whenever you have the opportunity to fuel or to add calories to the your base what you already have you should do it so like um whenever i hit eight stations even if i wasn't hungry i like i knew if, if, you know, if there was food there and I hadn't eaten in the last two hours, yeah. I got to put something in. Right. So like that, that was first and foremost, because the last, the, when you're in a calorie deficit, it's very, it's, you can turn it around. Of course, it takes time to turn that around, but it's very, it's a time consuming process. You don't feel great. Doubt starts to creep in. So like, you don't want to be in that position. Right. So a calorie deficit is a real physical thing to overcome. That's a difficult thing to overcome. Um, so don't, so don't do it. Uh, the second thing is expectation is that knowing um, that you're going to, you're going to peak in Valley at different times. Right. So I would say that's my number one. That's my secret weapon is knowing that the bad times don't last. Right. And I, I like, I, I speak about this and I've written about it like a lot is that in every hundred, there's no, there's no single hundred mile race where I felt like absolutely amazing from beginning to end. Right. 
every single race, I will at least have one low, right? And and, and there, there, there are many races where I have multiple lows and those lows, they vary in, in length, um, uh, they vary in time and they vary in severity, right? Sometimes you have like really, really bad lows and it's like, oh gosh. But what gets me through those lows is knowing that they're not gonna last very long. They're not gonna be there forever, right? Um, the other thing that I would say is when, when, when you're in pain, um, you don't necessarily have to be in a low, right? Cause the low, I would classify lows as like a mental low. Like you're like doubt comes in, you're not moving very fast. You're like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. That's a low, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're just in pain and like there, there are also times where you, when you don't have to be in a low mentally, but things hurt, um, laughing and telling jokes and just being in a good, like happy mood will almost always get your mind off of the pain. It works like magic, right? It's like like that 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 is like a drug that I, I can't tell like that will work almost all the time. Like your brain will release endorphins and like, you know, like feel good things and, and all of a sudden that pain in your legs or wherever it is, you like start you don't focus on it anymore, right? Because you're you're focused on this good time that you're having and 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 and, and you're feeling great, right? And so I would, I would advise, like, they don't have to be truly funny jokes, but if, if you have, <laughs> if you have like, like two or three jokes just to tell, they could be corny. I've got very corny jokes, right? None of my, maybe one or two of my jokes are truly funny. The other joke, the other roommate, they're like, they're like so terrible, but they're so bad. They're good kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so when you tell them, it's like, you start, I start laughing because I know how bad they are. And <laughs> And so right away, it's like, it's like, I'm getting my mind off of the pain, right? It's like, oh my God, my, my feet were killing me. But like, I, I'm laughing, I'm having a good time. I'm making people laugh, like people are, people are, and now everyone's involved, right? And now people, maybe other people are, have jokes to tell and their jokes, and hopefully are much funnier than mine. And now we're all <laughs> laughing. <laughs> That's awesome. Those are, those are some awesome strategies. Um, <laughs> here's another quick question here of, from Michael Feldman wants to know what kind of treadmill you have. Uh, Nordic track something. The funny thing though, and so I don't know the model number, but it's the base model number. If you go to Amazon, you type in Nordic, Nordic track treadmill, um, the one that comes up, it'll be Amazon's choice. It's whatever base model that is. Uh, the funny thing is when I ordered it at the, at the very start of the pandemic, it was, um, well, how much, it was, uh, 500 it was 500 or 600 somewhere between five and 600 um and people you know and, and then i got it and i put it together and um oh and uh, that's another thing always you should always have two people put that thing together um otherwise it could be very difficult uh and uh, and so i put it together and I started running on it and it's a very it was very it's a very good treadmill for the price like very good it had the shocks to it and all that people were asking me what model it was. And like, you know, that seems to be a very good treadmill. It, it's like taking the beating that you're giving it. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely very, you're correct. Yeah, it is. And so here's the model. And I would give the link, like the Amazon link to, to people who asked for it. And they come back and say, are you sure this is the right one? Cause it's telling me it's $1,200. I'm like, 12, no, 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 select the base model. Like I, I understand there's like, there's like a other part, like, you know, you get the one with the screen on it. It's got a TV. You can put an iPad. Like, no, you don't need all that stuff. Just get the base one. Right. And they're like, I am on the base one. It's saying 1200 And for the other ones, it's like 3000 I'm like, wait, no. And so I go on Amazon. And that was just the market. Demand had spiked yeah. so much that this, this treadmill that I got literally doubled in price. 
in, in like a two week span. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Oh my God, people yeah. are getting treadmills left and right then. Yeah. I think that happened with, you know, bicycles, weights, yeah. all like the fitness equipment. <laughs> it it makes sense. The prices up, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. We do have a couple more questions here. Um, Rebecca Constant wants to know, uh, what was your recovery like? Did you have a go-to certain food, Normatex, massage? Uh, so I had none of those things. I, I'm a little, I'm, um, uh, I would say atypical in the recovery uh, the, uh, strategy. So, uh, and that's because things like my work week was very packed. And so to make the condos work, it was like, it was very, as soon as Friday afternoon came, I'm flying out of, you know, traveling from midtown Manhattan to JFK or LaGuardia and then flying on location, driving wherever to that race, doing the race and then driving back to the airport, flying back, sometimes hopping on the red eye if it's on the West Coast and then, you know, morning of come back home, go to work. Right. So like I never had that, never had that luxury of downtime, enough downtime to uh, to do the normal tech or do a massage or do and so that's what people ask me hey so like you get a sports massage like every week yeah and i'm like no there's no time <laughs> it's like as soon as i land and i go to work monday it's it's i hit the ground running literally it's like i gotta get to work monday morning meeting and you know like we gotta get through the work week because i need to make sure that i'm ready and prepared for this execution again on friday afternoon right. what i do have time for um and i don't do it every week but i do it once in a while is is um um, maybe once every three weeks is an Epsom salt bath. And I truly believe in that, you know, like it helps, it soothes the muscles, right. And in a hot one, like just make sure the water temperature is hundred to 102 degrees. Um, I know there's no way to, to, to you know, figure that out. You can do it by touch, but like, but like it actually helps soothe your muscles. Um, the magnesium sulfate in the Epsom salt will, will, um, uh, help your legs, leg muscles recover faster. I have noticed that the, the only thing is you need the time to actually do that. So like it does take preparation, right? Like you need to draw a bath and you put in the Epsom salt. You actually need to have the time to sit in there for like 40 minutes or whatever, whatever it is. Um, but if you do that, it should help. Uh, oh, and then the other thing is nutrition. So during the week, um, I, I eat a, a lot, right? Like I take it and not because I'm forcing myself to, but because that's just my body is it, it wants these calories. It needs those calories. So two breakfasts, two lunches, two dinners, right? Like it just happens every day. Um, during the week, I'd make sure that uh, I had, you know, I like, I like milk and I like dairy things and milk has calcium, vitamin D. And like, you'll notice I always ask for chocolate milk <laughs> in these, in these races. But what I also do is I take supplements, right? So um, I'll take a multivitamin. Um, you know, uh, B12, vitamin A, vitamin D, um, zinc, calcium, uh, make sure that you're uh, iron, make sure that you're taking these things because running hundred miles will take a lot out of your, out of your body. Right. So you need to replace these supplements because maybe, you know, uh, we don't always get them in the amounts that we need in our everyday diet. Right. And so, um, if that's not the, if you have a very balanced diet and, and, and you can get all of those things, uh, the magnesium, the calcium, like you can get those things in, in what you take in every day. That's great. But if you can't, um, take, take supplements. And like, I've, I've noticed a difference between when weeks where like, I, I remember sometimes I forget, right? Like I forget, okay. Oh, forgot to take multivitamins this week. Right. <laughs> yeah. I do notice a difference. And so like, I mean, it's a subtle difference, right? It's not, it's not a night and day, but like, 
that any kind of any kind of like um, uh, edge that you can have in completing this thing, like you want to take. And so and so like take your multivitamins and take your supplements. <laughs> awesome. All right. It looks like we've got two more questions. Um, I do want to say shout out to Elena Costa for helping me with these comments. She went back and was reposting the question. Thank, thank <laughs> you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, this is kind of a funny one from Chip, Chip Tilden wants to know any marriage proposals and then really face. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dur during, during this, uh, no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I thought you were getting ready to tell a story about how someone you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and you know what? This will be this will be a good one to end on. This is from uh, Ian Golden. I'm going to change it to top moment just so uh, with time. What was the top moment or place that you stopped and you were caught by a beautiful spot and appreciated how thankful you were to be doing what you're doing? That's a great. That's a really great question to end on. And. I'm sure. I mean, that's that's hard. That's not fair to ask you that over, you know, a hundred races. But maybe what's the first one that kind of comes to your mind? Huh. Yeah. The question that I asked. Yeah, that was oh great. Oh my god, that was a good one. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's see here. There's a. Uh... Okay. I. Do do have one, but it's so. First, I will say that there have been many um, destination type races where I've gone there, and the scenery and the nature, and just being in that environment has absolutely blown me away. Right, and so like examples of that are Orcas Island, Antelope Canyon, Eastern States, like um, the Tahoe Rim Trail, like those those races, um, and any race in Colorado, uh, those, those races like. They, they are, they are, they are like, uh, like visually stunning. Um, and like they, they appeal to your senses in a very positive way. So I'll say that first and foremost, the one race where I really took time to, to appreciate this journey that I'm on. And again, it's not going to, it's not going to make sense, but it makes sense to me yeah. is the around the block hundred. So the, the hundred miler where I was running around my block <laughs> for yeah. 400 rotations, um, and, and when I was doing it alone, so, um, so when I ran, started that race on a Saturday morning and I had support from, from friends for the first 24 hours. And so, you know, uh, at any point during those 24 hours, I, I had people helping me running with me, pacing, crewing, like all those things. And we had a fantastic time. It got me into mile 62 and the remainder of the 38 miles I had to do on my own. And I was totally fine. Um. And it was, it was coming up. So, and I have to, I have to mention this, uh, Elaine was, was, you know, during, during, during the live stream, the Facebook Elaine was saying, walk the hill <laughs> because, because there's uh, on the block, there's a section where you, I, it's a subtle hill, right. <laughs> but, but when you're running, when you're running that distance, it feels like a mountain. Um, it was in running those last 38 miles and walking that section that it started to hit like the, the heaviness of what I was doing started to hit me right and i don't know if it was because like it, it was um just like gratitude for being able to run outside again um or the fact that i was doing this uh because at that time it, that was number 79 and i don't i don't know if it was it was because like i was realizing that like we i made it like i i i 
I was locked in my home. I had to run these hundreds indoors and I actually made it. I made it outside. And so, you know, it was those whole 38 miles was appreciation and just like gratitude because I was so, I was so happy to be outside again. And, and like, I didn't crack under the pressure. I didn't stop, you know, and like, and like I survived 10 weeks inside and now I'm outside again. And I had fully appreciated being inside and like, you know, being on the treadmill and running on the roof that whole time I was thinking I had really taken for granted what it's like to run outside and be outdoors. I really took that for granted because this is hard. This is hard mentally. And this is very slow. And like these miles are not fun. They're not fun miles at all. But it wasn't until I got outside where it just hit me. Right. So it wasn't the beauty of it. It was like what it represented. And to me, it represented like I was on the path to actually finishing this thing. That's awesome. I love it. That's a good question. Nice job, man. That was a great question. <laughs> and a really nice one to, uh, to wrap this up. Um, well, Michael, you have set the record for the longest Sasquad <laughs> interview to date. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was awesome. You know, one of our goals with, with this whole thing for the run venture series is, you know, I think it's kind of twofold to provide a space for the runner to share their story. And um, hopefully for you, it's been, you know, maybe a little debrief and being able to kind of chew into to all this and share it. But then, you know, also for us, for as runners listening to this, I know once it goes up on our podcast, it's going to be out there forever. So um, I'm excited to hear people, you know, say I was on my run. I was listening to <laughs> Michael's story. So um Thank you again. My gosh, thank you. You're so gracious with your time and I appreciate you just sharing everything with us. No, I, it, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And thank I, I shout out to you, by the way, we didn't talk about this is that you, you have, okay. For the finale, you actually gave, you created a buckle that I can't tell you how much that wow. means to me. Uh, you, it, you know, it has the game of pundos on the front and it's a buckle where you open in the middle and it has, you know, pictures, photos of my brother and me in the middle and on the back. And that absolutely means the world to me. But that's not the only time that you had given me a custom buckle. You also sent me a custom buckle for finishing the first um, uh, one, the, the indoor series. And like that, that's that stuff means that means a lot to me. Right. And so, like, shout out to you for doing that, for taking the time. I know it wasn't easy. <laughs> um, but yeah. Hey, you're, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. And, and like I said to you, it was just a small way for us to say, you know, thank you for what you've done for the running community. Cause I mean, there's such a huge broader impact and I'm glad we were able to, to touch on that tonight. So. Uh, well, so one last, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so when's the next time we're doing this <laughs> running around <Yeah>. circles, <laughs> <laughs> Run, running around, running around the block, playing, uh, playing final countdown yeah i'm gonna have to start training for that because and elaine can attest to this it, it was when we were running i kept saying to her i'm like elaine i i hope i don't trip or throw up on this because you were running so fast I, it's that barn. It's and so we're barn. trying to keep up i had the speaker elaine's running with the bullhorn yoshiko with the cowbells we we've got to do that again that was that was absolutely fun that was so much fun and again if that's the barn effect the barn effect is yeah, real totally well you pick the date and i'll start training for it <laughs> <laughs> awesome good stuff all right guys thank you so much for joining us it looked like we had a lot of people throughout the whole uh 
two plus hours of chatting. Um, so if you want to learn more about us, Sasquatch Trail Running, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Join our Facebook group. You can meet other local runners and hikers. And then again, you can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are streaming, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, and it'll be up there in the next week or so. So Michael, thank you again. Awesome. No, thank you. All right, guys, until we see you again, keep it squatchy. Yeah, bye, Kevin.